I literally shared this to uh, living in Glendale. You did? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, are you part? Are you part of that group party? I'm sorry. Were you talking to me? What? Yeah. Living in Glendale. Have you Have you been on that page on Facebook? I've been living in Glendale for th- no. Uh, I no. I I don't know. There's so many. Well, social media pages now that I, I have a hard time keeping track you'll of you'll really like that page are you saying, oh, you're yeah. saying that with an interesting smile oh you'll love that page <laughs> <Okay>. I just <laughs> oh gosh uh, that page has more information than the Glendale Police Department yeah really so wait what is this page again is everybody's a council member there <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about everybody's an expert in politics oh, wow. you should yeah. go on oh. that page oh gosh anyways we live in interesting <laughs> very interesting times uh, happy Monday, guys. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Special guest today, Councilman Ardi Artashes yes, Kasachian. So, yes, which one will you go with? Ardi Artashes? Which, is you it? know, the funny thing is, I grew up my whole life going by Artashes. Actually, I used to um, make people call me by my full name, even when I was young and growing up in New Jersey and, and here. And I know who's known me the longest because I have... Anglo, like Caucasian friends will come up to me and I'll be like, Ardashes. If they call me Ardashes, then I know they've known Ardashes. me. Ardashes. Ardashes. Yeah, Ardashes. Sounds, sounds so Kardashian. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a whole thing. When I was a kid, I used to try and teach the uh, teachers who weren't Armenian or anyone how to say my name. I'd be like, look, it's like the letter R, the letter R, a dash, and then the letter S. R dash S. Ardashes. Dick would do that well. So right with this the RB RB's not hard. You got a whole roast beef chain like named after IRB. Yeah. I mean Artashes is a is it's 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 a number one, it's it's a traditional Armenian name. And number two, it's like you hear Artashes like if you're from the East Coast and you hear that last name if you hear that first name, it's gonna be like what the heck and then you go with the last name. Completely, yeah, it was yeah. the change he made to it. The, well, the R dash is that's where. <laughs> well, it looks it sounds good too. Thanks. No, I pre- well, my I'm very proud of being Artashes. My older brother is Hartun. My younger brother is Valskin. And uh, you know, growing up on the East Coast, we were all born in the states. It wasn't easy. So my first day of kindergarten in New Jersey, you know, everyone had their name written on like a little card with a piece of yarn, and you had to wear it around your neck. So John Smith had like a nice little one, you know. <laughs> Debbie, you know, had a short one. And I had, like, Artashes Kasachian, like, like hanging off my neck, you know, <laughs> walking pages. home cools, like, you know, with a... And I asked my parents, I go, like, you know, why'd you guys name me, like, such a long name? And they said, you're growing up, you're growing up in America, you're an American citizen, you're going to live your own life, your parents can't choose who you're going to marry, but the one thing your parents give you that you carry forth with you throughout your entire life that reminds you of who you are, that you can't get rid of, is your name. So we gave you a name to always remind you of your Armenian roots. Beautiful, man. That's very well said. So, you know, I, I, I was always proud of it. But the problem was, you know, as I got older and I got into politics and I would, you know, go to Washington, D.C. and you're meeting with people from the State Department or from, you know, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. You got 15 minutes or 20 minutes with them to talk to them why aid to Artsakh or Nagorno-Karabakh is important or why Armenia deserves support. Like, you don't want to spend 10 minutes of that teaching them how to pronounce Artashes, right? So <laughs> you go like, hi, my name is Artie. It's easy. And then you yeah. get, get into it. So as I got older and I got more into the professional life, like a lot of Armenians, unfortunately, who changed their names and Fresno and others, like, you know, Shakaryan became sweet or sugar or whatever. Like a lot of people, you know, I, I ended up adapting and going by Artie, but I love Artashes. Um, I love being called Artashes. My parents are probably one of the few in my family are the only ones that call me, but I also answer to Artie. So brothers call you Artie or Artashes? 
depends. Depends on where <laughs> if they're pissed. Yeah. They probably call him a few other <laughs> names. Uh, my, he doesn't want to uh, mention everyone. Everyone in my family calls me by my full name. Oh, that's just yeah, nice. So, you were saying you you're from the East Coast, though. Huh? Were you yeah. born in the East Coast? Yeah, I was born in Boston, Massachusetts. So, how did the family end up in Boston? So, my parents met as undergrads at Yerevan State University um, in the 1960s. My dad had gone over to Armenia from Yerusalem, from Jerusalem, where he was born. And my mom's family had gone to Armenia from Hunastan during the big Hayanadarts repatriation movement in the yes. 40s. So they met as undergrads in mm. chemistry class. They fell in love. They got accepted to graduate programs here in the United States. My dad came to Boston for, to finish his graduate studies. You know, they start a family and, you know, we've been here since. The rest is, his, the rest is history, basically. Yeah. And then when did, you, when did you move to good old Glendale, California? Uncle Hazard, Nagorno, <laughs> Glendale. I moved to Glendale in 19, I want to say, 87, 87, 88. 86, maybe. And you went so. to high school and middle school and everything here? I went to or? John Marshall, R.D. White, Wilson Middle School. Back then it was junior high. We used to call middle school junior high. And then I went to Glendale High. So you went to Wilson when it was 7th, 8th, and 9th grade. Yeah. It, to me, it's weird when they talk about 6th graders being in middle school now. Like, Why? I, I don't know. Like I feel like when I was in 6th grade, I, I didn't know anything about anything. And when I went to... Middle school, that was when, like, I started becoming an adult. I saw a lot of things for the first time that I hadn't seen before. You know, you, you experience a lot of things. You had a locker, for Pete's sake. I, I know kids don't have lockers now. Oh, they don't? What do you mean? They took away Hoover's lockers? No, not Hoover. Do the Wilson, Wilson. Middle School kids? Oh, yeah. Middle School. When I went we had, there, we had lockers. Really? Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. I went there, we had lockers. I did, too. Okay. You went to Wilson as well? No, Toll. Toll, we had lockers. Yeah. I went Hoover, to we had lockers. Too. I feel like there was a period when kids were walking out around with giant backpacks because lockers weren't allowed. Am I well, imagining this? Uh, you know, I think it was optional. I don't think I really used the locker in, I at, at Hoover or told. Very you had much. someone carry all your stuff before you. Yeah, of course. I've been a bully all my literally, life. So. <laughs> <laughs> my wife literally chimed in. She goes, Dr. Kasachian was my chemistry teacher in high school. Oh, <laughs> so awesome. Dr. Kasachian is your mom, basically. Yeah, well, Dr. Kasachian, my, my dad got his PhD. My mom just had her master's in chemistry, and then she... Um, uh, got her master's in teaching. So, so your your mom was a teacher. My your mom, my mom was a teacher. My dad was an environmental chemist. So, his whole job was to make sure that like air, water, soil, like all those were decontaminated. He actually, um, there's an interesting story about like how he worked, got into that. But I don't know. We'll talk about it later. I guess. I hope but, yeah. it wasn't like how Greta got into it. No, 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 no. She's not a scientist. My dad's, my dad's a scientist. She's just a passionate, passionate She's not a scientist? Like but she was on the cover of Time last year, wasn't she? Well, a lot of people have been on the cover. A lot of people have been on the cover of Time. We should not use the cover of Time magazine as like she's a, a child achievement. Yes. She's a child, man. No, she's not. She's a scientist. <laughs> Stop it. Can I just give out gifts now? Yeah, no, okay. What do, you, what do you got for us? You so since you invited me on the show, I'm, I'm giving you a copy of um, Mr. Five percent the many lives of Kalust Gulbenkian the world's richest man so if you don't know who Kalust Gulbenkian is he was a very famous he was Bill Gates before there was a Bill Gates right he was the richest man in the world he made his money in oil um, he uh, left a big legacy um, in, in a lot of organizations so that's a new bi- autobiography or auto, a new biography what was his nickname oh it's, a, it's not an autobiography Mr. 5% because he made his money by having 5% of all everything. the oil interests of, of everything. everything everything can you imagine everything? That? 5% and then, and then, out of everything man. and then um, your co-nuts get uh, oh. my favorite fustachs 
from Thank Taza. You. We appreciate from Taza you. Imports. Extra mixed. I like the spicy coated peanuts. Stay Those up, honey. I'm favorite. coming home with this. Stay <laughs> up, okay? <laughs> this go great with beer. Thank you for yes, the thank you for the gifts, man. Definitely, definitely do you, appreciate. You can share it. the book. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, I don't know because we do get offended sometimes with yeah. the nuts. <laughs> What's no. your favorite nut? Ooh, I would have to go with the peanut. Really? Yeah. yeah. The like coated or the plain? <laughs> I like the plain, plain cold peanuts. Okay. Just break them okay. yourself and just take the skin yourself and just go at I it. I thought he was just referring to left or right. but I guess Oh, which might. nut as far as the <laughs> right or left? Right? Uh, <laughs> Do you have a favorite nut? We don't, we, don't, we don't play favorites <laughs> okay, along the nuts. Right, we're all we're very uh, wise. Listen, there's only enough room for one politician. Yeah, well, table, your, so. uh, your mom was apparently very popular in, with... Uh, with high school kids, apparently there's another one. Aram Hovakimian uh, said, "Miss Kasachian was, or Mrs. Kasachian, it should be Mrs. Kasachian, my favorite high school teacher. She also taught at Clark Magnet High School. Well, that's so yeah, because that's what I was gonna about to say. My wife went to Clark, yeah. so she was. She, a, she was one of the first teachers when Clark opened up as a science magnet. She was a chemistry 2001 uh, chair there. Yeah, oh, okay, around. sometime around there. Yeah. So with you. As far as politics are concerned, we know you're a council member now. You were mm-hmm. voted in. Congratulations on Thank that. Thank you. Thank uh, you. But prior to it, I mean, how did this whole politics thing start? I mean, what made you go into politics? Because being Armenian and well, yeah. well I, I shouldn't even say that Armenians are all politicians nowadays. But uh, you know, going actually and becoming an actual politician, what what was what was the thought behind it? I mean, why um, why pick politics? You know, I, I always say like I didn't pick politics. Politics kind of picked me. It wasn't like by choice. Um, you know, I got into UCLA with a chemistry major and, uh, you know, was studying chemistry, partly because of my parents, because they, they really, um, it, it's funny, my parents, I think like a lot of Armenian parents wanted their kids to be involved in something, in a career that could provide them with a good future, right? Like we have that whole like, doctor, know, doctor lawyer, lawyer, doctor, lawyer, uh, engineer, like, but, you know, in, in my family, like that actually has a historical background that helped save us during the genocide. So my dad's grandfather was a pharmacist. And, you know, during the genocide march, like one of the Turkish soldiers, knowing that he was a pharmacist and he had some medicine with him that he had brought along, came to him and said, look, like, you know, another person has fallen ill, like one of the other Turkish soldiers. If you can't bring it, you know, come over here and if you can bring his fever down, we'll spare your family. But if you don't, like, you know, you're, you're gone. And so you know, through, I guess, like, I don't know what it was, maybe some penicillin or whatever, he brought that guy's fever down. And they're like, okay, like, you know, you're free to go now. You get this document, free passage to, safe passage to Jerusalem. Everyone else is going that way. I mean, I say that, it's not like they were saved. Like, 60 people out of a 70-person family died during the genocide yeah. and on the death march. But, like, basically, he and his immediate family were spared because of that. So knowing that, my parents, you know, there was this high respect, high regard for, like, something like pharmacy or, or doctor, something that people can consider. I mean, even in times like this, nurses, like, useful, like, life giving and life-saving you know chemistry is also one of those pure sciences that you you're contributing something you're doing research and so i i I got into ucla with a chemistry major i had great respect for it but at ucla chemistry is very challenging it's considered one of the weeder courses it's a very ucla has got a great medical school it's pre-meds usually once they go through ochem that's the weeder program like the organic chemistry if you can't hang in that program then you know you can't go beyond i took about two quarters of chemistry and I realized it wasn't my thing right so off the at bat. The, yeah and at the same time I actually I interestingly enough enrolled in an Armenian history program taught by Richard Hovanesian because I didn't grow up really 
I never went to an Armenian school. I didn't know. I didn't take any Armenian language classes. Like, so I didn't know a lot of the history other than what I'd learned at home. And my dad said, look, you know, we weren't, we didn't have the opportunities to send you to an Armenian private school or to have you learn those things. This is your only time in life in college when you have time to learn history taught by uh, one of the people who founded like the, the field of Armenian modern history, go and take that class. You'll, you'll really enjoy it. Well, I enjoyed it so much. I ended up switching to becoming a history major. And wow. I always liked history. And then through that, I got more involved and more aware of what, you know, my identity, what it meant to be Armenian, what it meant to be American and Armenian American. And so I got involved with the Armenian Student Association. And yes, how I got involved in politics. It was actually partially through that. I was involved with the Armenian Student Association on my campus. And um, at one point, I think it was 1997, um, I was the incoming president for the club. And the Professor Hovhannisyan called us into his office and he's like, guys, um, I got to share some news with you. The Republic of Turkey is donating $1.5 million to the University of California, Los Angeles, to UCLA to establish a chair of Turkish studies. Um, and at the time, there was a guy named Stanford Shaw. You can look him up on Google. Stanford Shaw is one of the people who founded the school of like Armenian genocide denial in academia. So yeah. like, you know, when professors like um, Heath Lowry and there's these names of individuals that um, we know, like Bernard Lewis, who say that the genocide did not happen. It's a very small knit group that most of them are funded or supported by the Republic of Turkey. Stanford Shaw was like the, the head leader, right? He's like the main guy. And he was at UCLA. Um, and there's a lot of controversial stuff about him. At one point, they allege that someone tried to even firebomb his house, all this stuff. But so he's about to retire and he decides to kind of cement his legacy by establishing this chair of Turkish studies, which would be funded with $1.5 million from the Republic of Turkey. So the Republic of Turkey was going to give this money to UCLA and they had all these strings attached. Like some of them were that... Um, the person who held the chair, who taught Turkish history, had to have uh, close and cordial relations with academic circles in Turkey or had to have used the Ottoman archives in Istanbul. All these like coded languages that essentially basically said whoever holds the chair can't be someone who acknowledges or has done research or talked yeah. about the genocide. And, you know, as a student activist at the time, I was like at, or involved in Armenian issues I, we, we raised the red flag for the university. We're like, wait, like, you know, we're a publicly funded institution. We're taking money from a foreign government and they're going to use our good name, use the University of California's name to basically whitewash their history and, and, and rewrite the past. And mind you, there's a huge Armenian community exactly. as far as uh, with the students there as well. Yeah. And, and they've done this in other places. The irony of it is the difference between we had more of an argument to make because we we're a public institution. Princeton University, which is one of the premier universities in the country, it's an Ivy League school, has a Turkish studies chair funded by Turkish dollars, and it's called the Ataturk Chair of Turkish Studies, <laughs> right? So at UCLA, like, we weren't allowed to, we weren't about to let that happen. We wanted people to be aware of it. It's not that we objected to Ottoman studies being taught. The study of Ottoman history is the history of my ancestors, perhaps your ancestors, a lot of Armenians who lived under the Ottoman Empire for many years. But if that history is going to be taught, it has to be taught in an honest way, not in a, oh, Armenians never existed. You know, Turkey is involved in an active campaign of denial. If you go to the um, Turkish Department of Tourism, 
right? There's a whole section about Armenian allegations. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen multiple, you know, articles about as far as, oh, it being a war, the Armenians attacked first. Uh, there yeah. was actually a genocide of the Turkish people before yeah. the genocide of the Armenian people. I mean, there's, it's, it, it goes on and on. So, so there were two guys on campus that time. Professor Ovanissian was kind of the one leading up this um, opposition. There was also Stepan Osturian, uh, who's now at Berkeley. He's a Saroyan shareholder up there. And like working with the students and us working and trying to understand how the process worked, we realized that the history department had to approve the acceptance of this money. So even though this deal was in its early stages, like it was still being done behind closed doors. So we popped the lid off of it. We let everyone know that this was happening. We worked with the Greek students, the Persian students, the Arab students, anyone we could think of, the Mecha, the movement Estudiante Chicano de Aslan, like the Latino mm-hmm. group, which was actually very active on campus, and they were very big allies of ours in this fight. And we raised enough air. Uh, we raised enough of a, uh, awareness. an issue, awareness about this, where the history department behind closed doors, when they cast their final vote, voted, I think, 17 to 18 to reject the money and return it to the Republic of Turkey. And so it was by one vote. And that's like, you know, when I, I finally, you know, I, I came to this awareness that one vote matters. If one person or two people had not come in, had decided to stay home for that, like meeting in the history department, there would be this Turkish studies chair. And so after that, I went to Washington, D.C. I was offered an internship on the Hill where I learned more about this infiltration of American academia by foreign interests. And then, you know, when I was there, one of the things I saw was that there weren't a lot of Armenians in Washington, D.C., not a lot of Armenian Americans. Um, And, you know, when we, you know, I've been quoted in saying this in a couple of articles, you know, when we sit around the table and kind of wring our hands and we say, oh, woe is us, or when we're playing backgammon, complaining about the world being out to get, you know, the Armenian nation or the Armenian people. I'm like, well, if you never show up to the, you know, if you're never even on the court, you never even pick up the ball, then why do you complain if you lose the game? Like, Armenian Americans are involved in so many things. They've done so many awesome things, like from Carlos Gulbenkian to George Dukmajian to Wally Karabian and you know, people in the medical field, the Damadian who um, came up with the MRI machine. Yet, like, in politics, it's, those numbers are a lot fewer. Like, we have more people in certain fields than we do in politics. I mean, I've seen more Armenians in, I think, medical, law, and then, then in politics. And you look at the Armenian politics aspect as far as what's going on in Armenia, I think the fact that Armenia has been a, such a new country, and by new meaning independent for such a little time, since 92, right? It's, it's still... It's still 91. It's still trying to fix the crap that happened in 91. And, you know, president after president after corrupt president after corrupt president, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Now you have Nikol Pashinyan in in office and he's trying to fix everything. But now he's getting backlash and the media is against him. I mean, it's just it's a it's a it's a cluster of a situation. Armenians just tend to. So there's a couple of issues, right? Politics is very important. Partisan politics is where you can, where we have arguments, and Armenians are, I think, more afraid of partisanship than politics because everything has politics. The real estate industry has politics. Um, I'm sure, like, you know, when we talk about delivery of goods, whether it's the USPS or UPS or whatever, that has politics, you know. Your industry has politics as well, like what the state regulates and what doesn't regulate. So we are all involved and touched by politics. I mean, you know, I always, whenever I talk to young groups, I quote the great Greek statesman, uh, General Pericles, during, 
mean, he was saying this stuff back when the Greeks were fighting the Persians, like in the movie 300. He told his fellow Greeks, he said, just because you're not interested in politics doesn't mean politics isn't going to take an interest in you. It's going to be in there. It's going to be in yeah. your life no matter yeah. what. Yeah, so um, politics affects us all. The, the hard part is how do we talk about partisan politics without being at each other's throats? And that's not something that's now unique to Armenians um, or Armenian-Americans. I think you're seeing that ar- across the country. We are... Uh, very much in a divided state. I think that there's ways to get beyond that. Um, but most people are conflict-averse, you know. Yeah. Well, a lot of Armenians have been becoming politicians recently, with, especially in the city of Glendale, with number of things going on. Number one, this whole COVID situation. Yep. Um, you know, it, it's a topic since, you know, March 15th. We've been trying, we can't, there's no way we can avoid talking about it. And every single guest who's come on, it's been, how has COVID affected you? How has COVID affected you? And every single one of them has been affected somehow. And now we, you know, thanks for taking time out of your Monday to join us for, you know, now we have a council member who can talk yeah. about COVID and what's going on because, you know, not everybody's happy with what the governor is doing. Yeah. And a lot of people are upset with now bars being closed and, you know, a lot of other things being beaches locked down. Closed. Yeah, beaches yeah. closed. So as far as with Glendale... In the next couple of weeks, especially with, you know, from up north, you know, what he's been trying to regulate, bars closing and stuff, what's going to happen in Glendale? Yeah. What, are, what are the next couple of steps that are going to be taking place? So, um, <coughs> first of all, this is really good coffee. So, thank you. It's an espresso. Um, no, it's, uh, it's, not it's not coffee. coffee. It's not coffee. It's an espresso. <laughs> but when you say a lot um, of people are upset, that's, I think that's, a, uh, that's not a correct statement. Because if a lot of people were upset, they wouldn't vote for who we were voting in, right? I mean, they would they would actually show up. We were talking off the podcast. L.A., San Diego, San Francisco. That's all you need. That's but, all you but, need but as far as what? To get the votes. To get into yeah. office. No, no, I'm referring to the governor's position, right? Of course, yeah. Gov- even, even, uh, even president, man. To so win the state, you just need those three territories. And okay. the clerks and you, run all elections, correct? So if a lot of them are pissed yeah. off about this, you sort think of. they're going to actually vote in November? <laughs> You know what? But, but it has... Look, I'll tell you. I think that whether we're talking about the governor or everyone, including those of us in Glendale right now, are doing the best that we can with the information that we have. And I think part of the problem is, is you know, whether it's we're talking about COVID, but on a lot of other issues, there's a lot of information out there, but not enough knowledge. Knowledge is the ability to take information and figure out what's accurate, what's not, what we can use and what we can't, right? Mm-hmm. Yet... Nowadays, with the internet, God bless the internet because it makes so many things. Uh, ab- you know, it enables us to do things like this podcast. Um, also, enables us to absorb information, right? But sometimes the information misleading. Like we're, not, we're not. Yeah, it's misleading, and we're not. You know, being uh, very critical of it. I'll tell you when I read the news. Um, I do read Fox. I read Fox News. I read FoxNews.com every day. Um, I read CNN. I read um, a couple of other sources as well, and. I try to, you know, how you know, they say like you, you sift, sift it, through, you sift it and try to figure out what's really going on. I mean, literally, if you were to go on your websites right now and look at what Fox News is covering and what CNN is covering Complete in the same country, it's they're to- covering totally different things or taking the same issue and spinning it in a different way. Right. Yeah. And and you can say and I can't say necessarily that either of them are correct. Right. So that's why that's where the sifting part comes in. Uh-huh. And this has become a factor of the last 10, 15 years where the news agencies realize that they are able to 
get more i mean they make their money by having more eyeballs on their website or on their channel right so they're going to be more sensationalist they're going to cover issues that are more bombastic so like look we're we're as elected officials in kind of the same boat we're getting information from the county department of public health we're relying on professionals that we believe have more training and information than we do to implement what we have and do it in a way where in one of the largest metropolitan areas in the united states we're all on the same page. So it's not like we have these pockets of different rules, even even if we don't necessarily agree with them. You know, like one of them was, you know, initially when we were introducing the face mask ordinance in Glendale, and it was one of the first ones to introduce one that was probably the strictest of all the cities. Um, you know, my concern was like, you know, what if I'm walking on my street when there's no one around at 10 p.m.? Do I have to wear a face mask? We had one, two council members who said like, look, this is a critical time. It's important. It, you know, we're talking about life and death. And so I erred on the side of caution and vote along with it. And now we see that other agencies have as well. Um, so we, we try to work together. We try to coordinate and we try to do the best that we can. And with Newsom, um, with the governor, you know, um, I think he's probably in a tough situation as well. You know, is there politics involved in this? Is there partisanship? Perhaps. What do you think? Is there politics involved in this? Do I mean, everything is politics, right? We covered that. Is it True. partisan? You know, uh, sometimes yes, sometimes no. I mean, you know, the governor was on the show, I guess, of you, and they were very critical of the president, and he actually said something complimentary, I believe, and said, like, that hasn't been my experience. He's That'll buy him some time in his seat. No, so I mean, it has... I mean, the reality of it is the numbers will work, I think, in the governor's favor. The only governor that, in recent history... Um, was did not finish two terms was governor gray davis who was recalled right. and that was one of the things that led to that was the issue of rolling blackouts in california yeah at the time right and then we realized that it wasn't his fault at all it was the fact that there was um people in the energy industry that were lying and gaming the system enron went down as a result of it but he was uh, you know uh, the collateral damage in that but do, do you I mean, do you believe that Newsom is actually the one making these decisions as far as controlling how 40 million people live, whether it's shutting down businesses or mandating masks or... Well, you, you, you're a politician. You have control on a more local basis. So I'm a public servant. Or, or pu- public servant. I know. I always say that because, you know, I, I serve at the pleasure of the public. I right? wish and, more and, politicians and, would say that. And part. so I don't... Well, because... I mean, but we're the ones that call them politicians. Look, I will say this. So let's take a step back. I want to ask you guys a question. How many of you guys would think would say that our system of governance or pol- the governance system in the country is broken, that the political system is broken? How many of you would agree to that statement? 100%, 100% broken? No. Not, I, but whatever. Let's say semi-broken. It's oh, cracked. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's cracked. It's cracked. chipped. It's, it's fractured. Chipped. Call it whatever and, and you want. Sure, and I'm sure a lot of your viewers and people who are right now um, who thought they were tuning in to see Armin Sheegan and unfortunately see me and are still, <laughs> and are still listening to this. Um, I know I'm not as exciting as your other guests, but like a lot of them would agree as well, right? So, so here's my other question to you. What is the Third Amendment of the Bill of Rights? Go ahead, guys. I'll what take is, my guess. What is the Fourth Amendment? <laughs> well, I knew you guys know the Second Amendment. Of course. Yeah, of course. And you guys know that, of course, of course, from my cold, dead hand. Okay, what's the First Amendment? Speech. Okay, speech, religion, Much more. Et There's a lot more assemble, involved right? in the yeah, first. Okay. So, and, but we don't know the third. We don't know the fourth. Fifth, we know because people will say, I claim the fifth, right. right? Yes. So here's what I would say. 
I right? didn't even. I, well, you say that. I didn't even know what Juneteenth was until. Uh, last I had week, no idea what Juneteenth was. I didn't Juneteenth. know what that was <laughs> until last week. I, can I tell you? I did, I did watch that segment on the show. I will say this. Uh, if you look up on whitehouse.gov, uh, there are previous statements about Juneteenth. I How long I ago? Knew, going all, as far back, at least Obama. I wonder why. No, I mean, there's no wondering why. No, if, it's, if it's, I, mean, I knew what look, Juneteenth now was. Now that I know I, what I, it is, I, I, I wish knew, it was celebrated I, I, I had I, no I, idea. I made an invocation. So back when I was city clerk, I used to give invocations at city council. I gave an invocation on Juneteenth. I gave a prayer for Juneteenth. This was like maybe eight years ago. Again, it, not that there's obviously not that there's anything wrong with mm-hmm. Juneteenth or anything. But just why? Are why guys, would? Are you guys texting each other? This about no, 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 no. It's, Mom, it's not about my hair. No, no, is no, it? no, 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 no. It's okay. Different feeds. Okay. We're reading. We're reading the comments. <laughs> yeah, because we're on different. Okay. We're on three different feeds. That's why. Okay, nice. uh, but it's like, why was it? Why was this never brought up in the past? As far as Juneteenth, I, I, didn't even, look, I, I don't I, even remember hearing about it during because, Obama, because, man. Because because I think we're now at a national place where we have enough attention on this issue. Maybe it's because we were all locked indoors for. You know, three months and Gushvelink, and we finally are paying attention to certain things. That's where but politicians that's were born, though. But indoors, politicians were born during this coronavirus times. Majority of these politicians you see talking all all no, over. No, no, no. Uh, look, I'll oh, talk you're talking about the keyboard heroes. Keyboard politics. The keyboard heroes. The trolls. Keyboard I will say this. Like, look, Juneteenth, I think, um, is an important thing for us to know, but it's only part of the picture of what we should know about the legacy and the history of our country and where we were where we are and where we're going um why i kind of take a, a, a exception with the statement you know well why are we even talking about it now i hear non-armians say the exact same things about the armenian genocide when every april 24th we're out there marching right they're like oh i've never even heard of this and you drive an hour outside of los angeles most people don't know what the armenian genocide is so right doesn't that the, tell the, you the, that the that march National is not working buddy i don't know about listen i'm not going to talk at about some the point march. are we going to change that stance as armenians i mean I can tell you that I've spent years in the Armenian advocacy realm and talking to elected officials and politicians from all sorts of states. It's not just about one thing, right? I mean, it's about the marching as much as it is about Kim Kardashian tweeting, as much as it is about System of a Down writing songs. It's as much, I mean, it's all of us. It's everything. It doesn't have to be an either or. Am I, you know, when I was a kid, my dad used to make us go to school on April 24th. It was kind of embarrassing when we were in Glendale. Back east, it doesn't matter, right? Because, like, there are a lot of Nobody but, man, but here, like, you know, we'd be sometimes only kids, Armenian kids in school. And my dad would kind of tell us, like, look, he's like, I'd be like, why are we doing this? And my dad would say, look, you want to gain revenge? You want to get revenge for what was done to your people? You do it by going to school, studying hard, being number one in your class, kicking ass, and, you know, taking names. Like, you don't do it just by marching and you do it by being numero uno and whatever it is you're going to do in your life you do it by being the colorist cool banky or whatever yes. you know or uh, the greg uh, the kirk Kikorian. but anyways but to go back to the country being broken and the statement when i asked like which amendments it is right we can all say this we're all i'm sure proud of being american living in america but what does it say about our country as a whole because by the way if you ask that question to a lot of americans all of them will agree with you that the system is broken but when you ask them like what are the first you know 10 amendments and the ten, first ten amendments were fundamental to getting the country even on its feet. Like, we wouldn't have a country until the Bill of Rights was included in the Constitution because you had the individuals who were more for states' rights versus the Federalists that were led by Alexander Hamilton. And it says something about us that we don't know what it is, and I, I liken it to this. The American system and our country is a 
well-structured, beautiful idea that needs maintenance. It's the same as if someone like your dad came up to you and handed you the keys to a, a classic car. Imagine whatever the classic car is, right? And you look at it and you're impressed by it. You get in it, you start driving, until, but you don't know how to change the oil. You don't know how to check the tire pressure. You don't know how to check. You don't know how to fill it up with gas. You, you don't, don't know how to change the, gears. You don't know how to change gears. And you're fundamentally, when the car stops, all of a sudden it runs out of gas. You come out and say, well, this car is broken. It doesn't work. You have to do chess on them. If you don't know how that car even works or what the fundamentals are of that car working, what right do you have to complain about that car? And the problem is in America, not enough people understand how the system works, why it sometimes doesn't work, because friction is designed into the American political structure from its roots. And most importantly, what we as citizens can do to make it work better, then it's kind of tough for us to, you know, hesh so where, where, where should we start? Can you explain where should we start? Uh, how does it work and how can we improve it? Because if, if you ask me, what I'm seeing right now is, I agree with you, the, the idea was the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, all that was wonderful. These guys that the founding fathers that wrote it were geniuses, I think. But why are we trying to dismantle all that now? You know, trying to go back and delete history and all this nonsense that's going on right now. How is that going to is that considered maintenance or is that considered destruction? Um, I it's think it's I think it's evolution because erasing look, history. That's well, evolution? so let's talk about. I mean, what do you guys mean by erasing history? I mean, for example, even taking down a uh, statue or uh, changing Columbus, Christopher okay. Columbus Day to uh, indigenous. Indigenous. Day, I can never pronounce that. Indigenous, indigenous day. Okay. What the hell is that about? I mean. What are they going to do? Abraham Lincoln is going to be replaced with what? Some I mean, I don't, LGBTQ I no, I have, member? I heard of, so founder of Black Lives Matter so, is going to uh, stand okay. So I haven't heard about the L... I haven't heard about Abraham Lincoln's statue being... There was Ulysses defaced. S. Grant. Okay, I don't know what's... Well, they attempted. They attempted yeah, Ulysses S. Grant. Okay. Um, a man who was basically anti-slavery, who fought against slavery, who won... Okay. And you have you you have people here basically trying to take sever his head, take the statue down. It's like, do you guys not understand what? I, I have to I have to say that first of all, I don't condone the destruction of property. I will say that, um, you know, when you talk about the erasure of history, I mean, I I hope you guys have also done some of your own research on the Confederate statues and the Confederate flags. They and should go the use of them. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that they should necessarily, I think they should be put into a museum, put into a place where they can be Thank put in you. their proper context and people can learn about it and say, this was at a time when, um, you know, the South and people in the South were trying to reassert some sort of, um, you know, they, they were doing it for political reasons, I guess, yeah. definitely. Um, but they were also doing it to, to send a very, I think, um, strong and unfortunate and, and scary and terrorist type message to the black population. Um, in living in the South, the the white majority or the white population in the South was very worried about what the blacks were going to do once um, the end of slavery came about. So what they did is they came up with other ways to oppress them. That's part of our legacy. So you know, I mean, it's not about erasing it, right? It's about knowing the past. But I mean, one of the look, we talk about the Armenian genocide a mm -hmm. lot, and you know, there's a concerted effort in the halls of Congress and in every state to have America forget that part of its own history. And during the genocide, American missionaries and American leaders were at the forefront of, you know, helping the Armenians during that genocide. And so it's all about, we have to remember the past. We have to remember it in its proper context. context. Mm -hmm. um, so because the saying has been, 
why do we march so that history doesn't repeat itself yeah right? and that's and what yet, it should be and yet mm -hmm. if we want to destroy all these men from from history as because you know they were rapists they were slave owners or whatnot well isn't history going to repeat itself if we don't talk about them we don't learn but about it's them? about putting them in their proper context right if you're putting so um I think Robert E. Lee, if when you study about Robert E. Lee, and I studied mm -hmm. about him as a student, you know, in American history class, like all of us did, you know, he's portrayed as this person who was, um, you know, he, he was asked initially to lead the army of the North, but he refused. He said, I'm a Virginian, and I'm going to, you know, and he sided with the Confederacy and led the Confederate army. But ultimately, he was someone who partook in what some, many would argue, historians say, like in, in, um, an act of uh, defiance and treason against the United States, right? The, United, the whole Civil War was fought to rid the country of slavery and also to bring these people who thought that they could break off from the United States back into the fold. But ultimately, let's remember this. Like, what it was the institution of slavery? I'm, I don't know. Do you guys all have kids? Like, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, you know, I was talking about this with some uh, members of my family, and, you know, um, one of them said, like, you know, how can we idealize in any way an institution that separated mothers from children, right? I mean, to me, like hearing my kid cry about anything, like if he stubs his toes, just the sound. And he also has fake cries, and I've kind of got used to it because he's five and he's a toddler. And, you know, uzatsu yepem unuzuma, and, you know, you got to kind of tell him no. But, you know, like that genuine guttural cry, like, and I think about it, you know, even during the genocidal times, you know, when the Turks made mothers choose between children, the Turkish authorities and the Ottoman soldiers. And to me, any institution that tears families apart, which is what slavery did, was basically saying, I'm going to take you from your wife. I'm going to sell your kids to another person because they're property. They're not even human beings. Anyone who can defend an institution of that, of the, of that type is not right in the head. Mm. And if Robert E. Lee is the symbol of that institution, then Chiquita Minchemarel at When was this, though? This when was this? The issue of slavery? What year? What year? Of what? The, what when he did that, Robert Lee. Robert Lee. What year was this? 1860s. Okay. That Very was good. the life in 1860s. Well, no, no, no. No, no. I mean, oh, hold like, on. Our life now, but it's, no. it's wrong. No, no, no. What wait, was wait, happening wait. in other parts of the world in the 1860s? Let me ask you Come what's on, Forget about 1860s. None of us were around. Exactly. Okay, but in 2020, what's happening? Didn't our sweet old governor say that he wants this tracking system where child protective services and other government agencies can come knock on my door and if i haven't been vaccinated for the covid-19 they could take my kids away from me right i don't know about that so well, i can't, well I i'm telling honestly. you just like i don't know about what happened in the 1860s i'm telling you, that's what that's what's Today. going on now so isn't that the same thing except in modern not even history currently that's what we're living through so I mean, look, you're asking a very loaded question, right? It's trying to draw a parallel. I get what you're trying to outline. The only thing I would say is that um, one is, you know, if under the presumption of mm -hmm. safety or of keeping either you or your child safe from a disease, the other one is taking your child and making them work in the fields, picking cotton under the sun until they die, 
What's the difference? I mean, there's a huge difference. You're, you're taking as a, my parent, as a parent, you should understand any yeah. separation from your child is a hundred percent. Listen, I get that, and I totally Even get that. I, I totally get that. The one, the one difference I would say is that in, in under current laws, and again, I don't want to talk about something I don't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would assume that you have some sort of legal recourse in that situation, and that's what we have to strive for as a country. You know, as a country, you know, get to a place where at least. Um, under the law, you have ways of uh, protecting yourself. Yeah, slavery, like by the way, the reason why it's different, the reason, no, the reason why it's different with slavery is because even in that scenario that you're describing, you're still considered a U.S. citizen. The slaves were not considered U.S. citizens. They were not even considered full human okay. beings. In the Constitution, it said that they were three-fifths of a person. So as long as so, I'm considered... I mean, if we can agree on that and say, like, slavery was bad back then... We should of talk course. about Every it. Every human being alive no. today well, is going to well, tell you Well, it's not just back then. Is it happening today? Slavery? No. There's no slavery Are you anymore? kidding me? I mean, no, not in America. We're talking American politics. Is there slavery in the world? We have slavery going on. Okay. so We it's, have genocide going on today, so don't we? So it still exists. But genocide still exists too. I'd rather but have... But we close our eyes just like everyone did in 1915. We close our eyes. All of us here. Don't we? So we have selective... Uh, vision as far as our selective hearing, what we hear, what we advocate for, what we're against, right? As long as it's not in our backyard, we're okay. So then how do we expect the other seven and a half billion people to support our cause of the genocide when from from their perspective, well, only one and a half million died. Then we agree. That's the problem I see as well. But, 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 But that's not, I mean, if we're talking about progression and you know, we're, we're trying to be better than what, for example, the uh, elites were and whoever else that did whatever they did, whether owned slaves or raped or killed kids or genocides. How are we going to improve upon that if we're still allowing it to happen today because we're choosing not to acknowledge it? And what we're doing is, in my opinion, is, well, uh, as long as the government, governor or the president and whoever the hell, CDC, WHO, thinks uh, this Ooh. is what should happen to us, then it's fine because I'm considered a, uh, you know, one one of a U.S. citizen, not a three-fifth of a human being. Uh, then you can inject whatever the hell you want into me. You could take my kids into a foster home and God knows what you're going to do to my kids. And I need to sit back and say it's fine because the governor or the government thinks this is what my family needs. Well, fuck the government if they think that's, that's what's best for my, go- for my family. Do you see why we like the Second Amendment the most? I mean, look, it's it's it's, a, it's very you, simple. Because the second one is there to protect <laughs> your first and from third tyranny. and fifth and every one of the other uh, rights. Yet, you know, I still want to know. Don't Google it. What is the Third Amendment? The third, I know the Third Amendment has something to do with soldiers and yeah. as far as... Uh, I think uh, it was something. You don't, you, something don't, you don't have to put up soldiers in your home. Something, yeah, about housing soldiers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what so it is. Yeah. Um, look, I, I think that... With now you there see why we be... don't need to know the Third Amendment because it doesn't evo- it doesn't involve today. But yeah, the first but, one but, and the second one. But are... it was critical to the founding of this country at the right? time. And, and, yes, and, and, housing the soldiers. And the Fourth Amendment is related to the Third Amendment because it's about illegal search and seizure. Right, everything that was founded in this country, even your Second Amendment, had to do with defending the country against the threat of the British. Uh, imperial the british royal forces right so it's specifically about militias now i'm not saying that you know it should be about that it was it was specifically about you know having militias um you know in the states to defend themselves in fact a lot of states have their own standing armies um you know we're allowed militias now right 
Yeah, I'm not saying we're not. Here's the thing: you guys, and, and our, the National Guard is essentially like. Let me uh, ask you this, Artie. Like, we we're and, and here's the reality: if the government is going to come after you, uh, you know, having your gun, whatever gun you have, is not going to stop the government when the government has access to drones. See, like, so, let me ask you this, Artie. Like, we, we, we you mentioned something about basically um, they're taking down certain things that. Um, I would say maybe, maybe offend people nowadays from history and try to erase it and not talk about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Glendale has a huge history behind it as well. Uh, you look at some of yeah. the some of the light posts in Glendale. Some of them have uh, so-called swastika signs, but they're not swastika signs. They're old Native American symbols or whatever well, swast- they are. The, or the the, the the bent cross or what the bent cross. Swast- Swastika, swastika goes back to Hinduism. It's even in some Armenian iconography. And Do you see what I But a lot of people yeah. would look at that and they'd go, oh, you know what? Glendale's light posts have swastikas on it. Because Why are these not taken down? Because it's all about context. It's all about context, right? So, exactly. The same symbol, by the way, exists in various buildings in Washington, D.C., and I saw it when I was an intern there. But in Glendale, coupled with the fact that Glendale used to be the headquarters for the American Nazi Party on the West Coast... It has a different meaning, right? It has a different connotation. You see what I mean? It's something where you go back in history, you learn about it, you understand it, and you don't repeat it. So those light posts are still up. You can say, you know what? Oh, Glendale used to be headquarters of the KKK and Nazis and so many racists live in Glendale. But no, there's a history behind it. And what happens when you understand history, you don't repeat it. So I get it. But the light posts are a misassociation. So that symbol was a symbol that occurred in a lot of things at the time. I don't think it was directly like no one sat around saying, you know what, this is going to be our secret wink, wink, nod, nod to the fact that we have Nazis. Of course, of course. But yeah. let's but say if you, if you didn't know about you know, that, if you didn't uh, know Stonewall about Stonewall Jackson, you know, or or other Confederate leaders who killed American soldiers, is sending a very different message. But Artie, so, let me ask you a question now: If we get the Black Lives Matter coming into Glendale and saying that's very wrong, we should take them down. Are we going to take them down? Um. Uh, say it again. If the Black Lives Matter come to Glendale and say those posts, the light posts need to be taken down. Oh, I think that it depends. I think that there was a similar, there was a, a another example closer to home in Glendale. There was a park in North Glendale in the, in the LA border. It's Crescent Valley Park. I mm-hmm. think there's a dog park there. And it used to be the site. Um, first of all, Glendale used to have a lot of Germans, German uh, immigrants. And... Um, that's one of the reasons why Montrose still has an Oktoberfest and they have a great German deli. Yeah. Um, I think it's Shriners, right? Um, anyways, if you uh, know about that history, you know that Hindenburg, the, the Crescenta Valley Park, was the site of a number of uh, gatherings for the German community as well as some pro-Hitler, pro-Nazi rallies. Um, not too long ago, there was a group, an effort to try and rename that park Hindenburg Park. But Hindenburg, I think, was um, the person under whom Hitler became chancellor and okay. rose to power. Uh, you can look this up. It's online. I don't want to go into the details of it too much. But eventually they decided, I believe, not to name the park Hindenburg Park or if they did to have an explanation associated with it. So there was an example like that. And I think that the community came to the right compromise because they did what was right for them. You know, I believe that people should have the right to do and say whatever they want. And if there was something that was offensive, like something else that's closer to home, I think one of our mountain peaks was, or one of our our, uh, landmarks was changed to the name Tongva, which was the original people who lived in this area, the native tribe, the Tongva tribe. 
I think that's appropriate. Why not remember Definitely. them? Definitely. Right? Um, so not every situation is the same. Saying that whether Black Lives Matters comes in and says something, it, it depends. My goal is to make sure that everyone feels valued, respected, and, um, you know, you can never satisfy everyone, though. In a city, I mean, as a but politician, how are you going to satisfy everyone? But there's certain things that are right and wrong. I mean, when it comes to the issue of slavery, I hope no one is going to sit here and defend slavery. I don't think anyone will, right? No so way. we have to explain that. So if you bring up an icon, it's like Ataturk, right? There was a, a while back, uh, one of the cities in Southern California um, uh, was going to have a statue of Ataturk that was put up, and it was going to be paid for. By, it wasn't Fullerton. It was, uh, I want to say Carson. 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 And we went out there and we educated them as to why this is a bad idea. Now, could they have still put it up? Probably, but it would have been very offensive to Armenians and Greeks and Assyrians. Um, fortunately, they that decided to offensive do to humanity at the end of the day. Okay, well, and so that's if that's offensive, though. but if that's offensive to humanity, why isn't the other one offensive? Because, they are because if, they're, if, they're, if they make sense, they they're because offensive. it's a statue that's being put up today, and if you protest against it, and let's say you have a reason and a cause then fine, it doesn't get put up, which was great. But as far as now everybody, you know, kneeling down to this stupid cause, which we'll get into, you know, the BLM and all this nonsense, which has absolutely nothing to do with how it started, you know, national companies, brands that have been around for 50, 100 years, changing their names, Dixie Chicks, name, changing their names from Dixie Chicks to Chicks. Cracker Jacks. Cracker Jacks and... It's like, so where, where do we draw the so, line? So, like Robert this? E., the, what you were saying about as far as the statue, Robert E. Lee's statue was put up in 1890. Okay. Yeah. That's so it 30 was. 30 years after we had, roughly 30 years after we had won a war. And part of the reason, by the way, so just so you guys understand um, some of that history, right? Like, there was this amazing reluctance to accept the. There were a lot of folks in the South who did not want to accept that the war had been lost. And ultimately, they did not want to accept the fact that blacks were now free and equal to them by law. And so they came up, as you guys know, the institutions of Jim Crow. I mean, this states in this country institutionalized the racism that they were able to impose unfettered without any checks and balances during slavery. Um, and that's what I mean, if you're a black American and you walk by a school with a statue of a person that treated your grandparents or great-grandparents like objects, like mm-hmm. like a donkey. I mean, here's an example, right? I mean, you want to bring it closer to home. One of the reasons why this is so important to me is because as Armenians, we know what it's like to be second-class citizens. You know, in the Ottoman Empire, Armenians were known as Gyavur. Not today, brother. That's what I'm trying to get to. But as not, Armenians, Armenians are not listen, discriminated today, no in Armenian Turkey. feels like they are second-class citizens. We're talking about the U.S., and that's the one thing I don't want us to have is that uh, victim mentality. Let's stop that. The whole, I feel like our, our whole lobby system as Armenians is on the wrong track. If ANCA is what we have as a lobby, I'm sorry. I understand you're a politician, but I don't public think they're servant. run Public service. I don't think ANCA is <laughs> running the their ship. the one takeaway from I today. don't think the ANCA is running their ship the right way. So what are, you doing to, what are you doing to change that? This is what I'm doing to change it. That lets everybody do something. I'm not a politician, okay. right? You're not but, a public uh, servant. But have, you guys, po- have you guys had a show? Civ- like, invite, invite the ANC folks. I'm sure they would love to be on the program and, and tell them, like, hey, I think this would work better. Um, you know, something else would be different. Um, by the way, I, know, I, I would love to talk about this, but do you guys have COVID questions that you guys want to ask? Or are we, because we can talk about well, this co- more. I'm totally COVID? Fine. COVID would be, okay, for example, the like whole mask thing. What was, 
What was the logic behind the mask as far as, I mean, we've all experienced walking on the street and mm. people kind of taking a side turn as if, you know, we're infected with some terminal uh, contagious disease and they don't, they see us walking at Just night. Just say it, bro. Fan. Can we stop fear mongering everybody? Yeah. Why, yeah. yeah. Why, what's, what's the purpose behind it? Because everybody, we already have the f- scientific facts that we don't need to quarantine. What we need is to quarantine the ill and quarantine maybe the vulnerable population, which is 80, 85, 90 You're saying plus. we should go into people's homes, mm-hmm. take the people who are sick out of those homes, no. and put them no. somewhere? No, no, no. no. That's what no. Cuomo no, no, did. No, no, and no. look how many... <laughs> no, no, that's what Cuomo did in New York. <laughs> look at that's it this way. That's what New York did. That's what New York did. That's what China yeah, did, right? I, I, I think the, the best strategy as far as quarantine, yes, quarantine. If you are... If you have underlying issues, if you have the asthmas, yeah. the bronchitis, anything that COVID... But what about that person's rights? As far as? Still their choice. Then if, you, then if you look at it that way, you, uh, we were, we were in lockdown right from out. March I'm, to like I'm April. Being, I'm being facetious. No, okay. Right. I get but but I, it's still their right. Listen, I, they can still get out if they want, and they're, they're more vulnerable. But then they walk around with the ability to infect... Uh, no, no, well, remember... It, we're not now, concerned about them infecting us. We're concerned about them being infected. Because yeah. most of us have to be infected for this thing to go away. Or just to stick around and not be such a you know. I've heard about the herd immunity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and now they're saying that asymptomatic people can't even can't even con- like spread the disease now. Huh. Also, the, what else did the CDC mention that it can't stay on surfaces? Right. It doesn't survive on surfaces. Well, There's so many different things that have come yeah. up, and I get it. A lot of the times, what they say is, "Well, it's a new virus. We're learning as time goes on." It's like, okay, I understand, but what the media has portrayed this virus as is this deadly killer like ebola or something that's going to get inside your lungs and destroy you yeah. i mean there's morons out there on facebook and stuff putting videos and yeah. photos up of a like a, well, like media, a collapsed think, lung and saying look at what COVID is doing to I, your lung I, I think i mean and that goes back to my original point of there being a lot of information and not enough knowledge right so for me the way i i uh, approach this and you asked about the mask issue yeah i do have questions about the efficacy like how effective is a mask depending on what we know and what we don't know about this disease but if a mask's a mask is not going to necessarily hurt me and if it's about erring on the side of caution i'd rather err on the side of caution mm-hmm. can hurt. i give you um, can i give you one example you it might hurt you what it might hurt you it might and there's you know obviously but chances, then that, right? you know there's there's chances and for those individuals i think the newer mask rule that we have that allows for some certain exceptions i think that's smart but i'll tell you like if i'm driving in my car alone with my family I don't want to wear a mask, but if I'm taking an Uber, I'm taking a risk, right? I'm getting into someone's car whom I don't know. I don't know how well they've disinfected that or what their practices are. What if I'm driving all of a sudden that guy, like me, like, you know, that guy sneezes a massive mm-hmm. sneeze. That's, a, that's an inherent risk or being on a bus with people that you don't know. So it's all about being smart, being logical, being, you know, hygienic and, of and, and doing that. So. See, uh, we've had two doctors on here, uh, one ER doctor, one... Uh, doctor who basically works uh, at Adventist as a oncologist. What was it? Uh, interventional cardiologist. Yeah, a ca- no, not the cardiologist. What a was pulmonologist. a pulmonologist? So the one thing I remember and I take away from this doctor was he normally had a beard, and when he came on our podcast, he was shaved. He only had a mustache, and I, we, as a joke, we were like, "Hey, what's well, with the porn star mustache?" He said, "I have to shave." We said, "Why?" He says, "When I wear a facial mask, if I'm not shaved." What's the point? There's no point in me wearing a mask. There so there's a lot of things that people are uneducated about. And when you bring yeah. it up to them, they say, no, 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 no. A mask will save me. 
another thing he mentioned cotton masks he said what's a viral particle it's so small and a viral particle can go through a cotton mask don't wear cotton mask if you're going to go mow your lawn if you're going to go uh hiking yeah wear a cotton mask it's fine so you don't get dust but i think it's about awareness it's about you know it's also a reminder it's like a rubber band around your wrist right that's what i don't want it to be i don't want it to be a reminder well i don't want this world to come to a point where first of all these these are rules not laws none of these are laws by the way you are by law allowed to walk into any store. They are allowed to refuse you service, but right. you are allowed to walk into any store without which, a mask. Which you still can, and they right. will refuse you. That's fine. Yeah. But you have no one. You can't really get a ticket for not wearing a mask. It's not allowed. No, they can't. No one can but, give you a but, ticket for but that. But see, here's what you're doing. Right now, you have your mask on the table, right? Are you going to wear that again? I have another mask in the car, but I want to but my, bring it on as my, my So my point, <laughs> my point is the conclusion we've come to is that the mask yeah. doesn't protect you from getting it. What it could potentially protect oh, yeah, yeah. is absolutely. if you had yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So you don't give that's it That's absolutely to, spot on. That's yeah. exactly why surgeons wear it during yeah, yeah. surgery, so they don't spit into the operational... Cough, area. sneeze, spit, yeah, yeah. sweat... Yeah. It's it's not, us wearing it and walking around like morons is is basically. Can I, can I, can you, have you guys like felt anxious at any point um, during the last four months? No, like anywhere really. Zero. You're just no, like no. zero. I sleep next to a woman who deals with COVID patients on a yeah. daily basis, and then I sit next to him. So I don't. Really and know. I sleep with him. So yeah, and I've. <laughs> <laughs> There's Ar- a lot of things <laughs> you don't know about the water. Ar- 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 yeah. Ar- 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 and I cuddle at nights in the office yeah. every, every, every Monday. They spoon each other yeah, too. But, but no, I mean, on a, I, I haven't been. Why? Because I've done my homework. I've done my research. I've read about it. Obviously, the one cautionary thing is you don't want to take it home to mom and dad who are older. Yeah. But if, you, if I felt the slightest symptom, whether it was the dry cough, the fever, any of those symptoms... I would quarantine yeah, myself. Yeah. Absolutely. At one point, the symptoms are going to be just breathing. Well, I think the they hardest part. Added on so the, well, the, the hardest part of this is going to be when we enter the flu season, and there's going to be other cold-like symptoms or flu-like symptoms that people will acquire. I mean, right now, just sneezing in public is like you know yelling fire in a room, right? Like people. Oh yeah. Are extremely like. It's it's you know I I had a I was giving a talk at somewhere and I had a tickle in my throat like I I wanted to cough I wanted to say <clears throat> and I didn't want to I was like you see like, yeah. it's you know, so, already it's it's like the fear mongering in people now there was this funny meme I put up where it said I used to cough to hide my farts now I fart to hide my <laughs> hide my coughs literally <laughs> it's it's better for you but, to pass gas but is it not public. better but is it not better for us to be safer than to lose Someone that we I know here's the thing. About. I get it to be safer, but it's safer from what? And, That's what hold I on. For, I get it. No, it's like there is a certain limit to trying to educate the public as far as what this virus is. There are there's been a hundreds and thousands of types of COVID viruses, and the percentages for this are literally in not even one percent, like half percent. Point zero four right now. Yeah, right now it's point zero four. I mean, it's so small, and I get it. People are saying, better safe than sorry, better safe than sorry. But the likelihood of you actually contracting this and something happening to you, you have to have underlying issues. You have to be older. I mean, it has to be a situation. But, but this is also part of, like, the whole media's... I mean, look, here's, The media has nothing better to cover at this point. Yeah, and, and it's been a boon for the media on both sides. You know, the ones talking about how there's nothing to fear and the ones who say that it's the world is caving in on it. You know, when I teach political science and I talk about, you know, the media and how they cover things, Ebola 
you know, everyone thinks that Ebola was a ter- it is a terrible disease. But do you realize no one in America died from the Ebola virus? Yeah, nobody. Nobody. Did anybody even yeah. contracted? I don't think so. Contracted? No, I think there maybe have been one. Four. I think there may have been <laughs> four. But the way that we know about Ebola and the fact that we all know Ebola is because. You know, there was a movie outbreak and there was like all sorts of coverage about how it was the worst thing. I mean, but Ebola you know, was something where it was like spit to like or it was I think it was blood to blood or something or it was like, yeah, it was transmitted. What, whatever it is that you're going to say, I guarantee you it's more than the average American citizen probably knew just based on what the news they're watching. And that's the problem with COVID-19 right now. You have some people who are more apt to listen to what their hope are posts on Facebook or what someone says, rather than saying, like, what do I know about disease? Like, I should wash my hands. I should stay clean. I should not lick doorknobs. But I feel like <laughs> the people are starting to not trust the people they're supposed to trust for that information. Yeah. There's but also, you understand? I mean, but I, I like, mean, I don't even know who you trust yeah. nowadays. But other than Artie, what did you think? The it, quote unquote experts. And that's what in the city of Glendale, we rely on the Department of Public Health. But Artie, wouldn't you think it would be a better idea to actually educate the people as far as not only the, the testing? OK, they're saying so-and-so number of people are being tested, so-and-so number of people are being contracted with the disease, but they don't talk about as far as how many people are recovering from it, how many people are uh, not dying from it. I mean, why why aren't those numbers being well, out I mean, in the public? So, you know, that's a question that we've asked in a lot of times. Like, I have, we've asked that both in the city. Some of the information is very hard to come by. I mean, initially, it was very hard to get information about the skilled nursing facilities, and you know what the situation was in there we now know that the skilled nursing facilities were uh, where a majority of the deaths from covid were coming from because you had a very high older population that yeah. was high highly at risk um you know it's it's been hard i mean a lot of it i wish we could have waved a magic wand and have all the information and sift through it but initially when people were saying well why are glendale's numbers so high um there was a number of reasons right first of all we're the third largest city in los angeles county or fourth so naturally, we're going to have numbers of infection on par. Second of all, like I wasn't even looking at Glendale's numbers. When I was looking at those numbers, I was looking at Pasadena's numbers and Burbank's numbers and all the outlying neighboring communities like Silver Lake, Tahunga, otherwise. Because to think that Glendale exists in a vacuum is ridiculous. Like, you know how many times a day, like each of us probably travels in and out of Glendale and comes back. So to think that Glendale's numbers are somehow unique, the other thing is that someone may have gone let's say someone works in long beach and they got there they got infected there but the number is attributed to glendale because they're a glendale resident right there are so many factors and there's ways of looking at these statistics the one thing that we do know is that this disease causes serious respiratory issues and puts people with respiratory issues at risk okay um if you're older um and or you're immunocompromised you're at risk that it can be transmitted much like other flus can, uh, you know, sneeze, whatever. Um, Drop flu or disease. It's, 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 it's just a flu or disease. I'm just trying to understand COVID. Sorry, guys. I'm the. It's a virus. I have no medical it's background. It's a virus. It's a virus. Simple yeah. as that. It's, it's a, a virus. virus. Mm. So, like a flu is a virus. Correct. Correct. But it's not a disease. Uh, no, no. It is. It's, it's a, a well, virus. disease means you're the. You're this ease. You're not. not you're not ease. at ease. You're not at ease. But that's what disease means. So everything can be a disease. Like this peanut gets stuck in your throat. It could yeah. be a disease. Yeah. You can't. You, <laughs> you hope it does. Whether it's a disease or <laughs> that's that's he's, different. He's, he's putting a good dent. But in but but how is it that the COVID wasn't? How, how come nobody around the country Stop was or around the world was concerned about the spread over the in the over the last month when you know tens of thousands of people were literally on top of each other protesting how come was the 
was COVID all of a sudden on pause or what was going on? I'm curious. I mean, look, I mean, that's that's a very good point. It doesn't right? work during. It doesn't spread no. during protests. Uh-uh. Oh, okay. a vacation. Wow. Okay. I think I think that I think that people who even partook in the protests were worried, but you know, I think that putting people on stay-at-home orders for so long and then the situation of seeing what happened um, in Minneapolis and a couple of other things combined was just too much for people to bear. And listen, again, I don't fault anyone for protesting that and going out and expressing themselves as long as they tried to be as safe as possible. I know a lot of places didn't. Um, A lot of people didn't, but you know, we, we are all individuals and make our own decisions, right? I mean, even during the stay-at-home orders, I'm sure all of us knew individuals who were violating those and going out. I mean, heck, during April 24th, there was a car caravan to Montebello to the Hushartz on and back, you know, when we were told that we should all stay at home and not protest. But in Glendale, during the protest, for, for when you guys were out there for BLM, mm-hmm. were you guys all wearing masks? Um, I certainly was. Were, were, were other, other people wearing masks? I mean, the vast majority of people I saw were wearing masks. But I don't think that they were socially distancing, and that's another mm-hmm. issue. Were they wearing surgical masks and 95 masks, or were they wearing cotton or, or cloth well, masks? I think that there was all types of masks. Um, so, but see, I think that ultimately, you know, um, it, th- that was a touchstone moment. You know, a lot of people felt like that's what they had to do, and I... I respect that. I respect people whenever they, they decide to. I don't knock anyone for protesting. And even the people that protested earlier, you know, in Huntington Beach against um, some of the state laws, they do it and they take the, that risk uh, themselves. And, you know, we live in a country where there's a free market of ideas and, you know, um, people will support them or not support them. But do you see why this is why people don't trust? I don't trust the health department because I've seen so many health department approved masks that literally I wouldn't put it on my cat, and I don't even own a cat. I hate cats. Uh, and this is why we don't. I personally don't trust what comes from the government, FDA, CDC, anything so who that do you has trust, to. Though? I trust specific types of scientists and specific types. Yes, okay. but meaning that they are experts in that field. They're not into. They don't have a uh, you know dog in a fight as far as uh, the the. Nobody said anything about the COVID during the protests. Why? Because the protests are all, all this bullshit has to do with the elections coming up. And the more chaos they cause, the more stupid new rules they can put into place as far as, well, now you can't actually go into a voting booth. You need to stay home and text your vote uh, so that we can rig the election even more. And nobody, nobody talks about that. All we're talking about is, well, now we're going to put another uh, order because we have a second wave. The debt toll has increased, and this has increased, that has increased. How come nobody cared about that when millions Why of people... Why don't they I, talk about the recovery I rates? Don't, I don't know well, if the... Forget about the recovery. They won't talk so about Of course they won't. Yes, but, but how come during the protests, nobody, not Fauci, not Mauchi, not any of these guys... Garcetti was said, there in front of yeah, how many people? Yeah. Social distancing? None of them came out and say, hey, guys, what are you doing? You're supposed to be quarantining. You're supposed to be on, on a lockdown. And if I, were, if I were a city councilman or if I were a governor, I'd be more concerned about how are my people going to bounce back from this? How the mm-hmm. hell are these people going to sustain their life livelihoods, feed, continue no. to feed their children? So, I'm not yeah. concerned about, you know, some stupid movement that has nothing to do with the, the blacks or slavery well, or George Floyd or any of these guys. I think that, again, we get into this either or 
situation, and I don't think it's either we do this or we do that. I think it's possible to be concerned with all of those things. And for me, I, I'm I'm very concerned about Glendale's health, its economy, your health, um, everyone who lives in this city, just as much as I'm concerned about how we sever ourselves from some of the racist things in our past. You know, I, I remember when I when I first moved to Glendale, I remember clearly the discrimination against Armenians during the early 90s when a lot of Armenians came from Hayastan, um, many of them as refugees from the collapse of the Soviet Union and the names that they would be called. Like, I had never heard the derogatory terms for Armenians until I lived in Glendale. Like, East Coast, no one cares if you're, you know, Armenian. You're, you're considered, you know, just like, American, like anyone else, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I had where there were Polish kids in my uh, kindergarten class with names harder to pronounce than last mine. You got lucky, yeah, right? And so here in Glendale, like I I remember someone at one point at Wilson Middle School when we were students at junior high stuffing our uh, lockers with like you know flyers that had KKK written on it and swastikas and saying like you know the white race is better than all the rest. I remember that stuff. That's crazy. and so, like, the question becomes, like, you know, do we stand up and say, like, we won't tolerate stuff like this in Glendale in any form or shape. This is not the city we want to live in. We want to aspire to do better um, while also trying to take care of our economy, helping our local businesses recover from COVID and helping people who have been affected by this. Listen, I, I don't this is definitely um, this disease, this virus, um, this situation has caused a lot of discomfort and uneasiness and um, has hurt a lot of people. So the question becomes, like, how do we help the people? And the government has had some role in it by, you know, shutting the economy down. One of the things I've had issue with is the arbitrariness of some of the rules and laws, like restaurants can open, but churches, temples, or synagogues and mosques can't. Stuff like that bothers me as well. But we're in this together. we got to work together um, to figure out a way through it. Um, so how are we? How is, for example, forget about everybody else, Glendale. How yeah. is Glendale going to recover from this? So from an en- economic standpoint, yeah. because Glendale thrives on, even though we have a lot of large conglomerates, you know, like the you know the Whole Foods and some of these big corporations moving into Glendale. We've got the Americana Avery, and all Americana, that stuff. Americana, the, the uh, brand Boulevard of Cars, which pays probably the most amount of tax than any other business in, 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 in the city. I mean, you would know better than I do, but how are we going to... Even dealerships have been, as you know, struggling. So how are they going to recover economically? Because at the end of the day, I can guarantee you one thing, and I'm not an expert, I'm not a scientist or a doctor, more people will die from the economic impact than this virus can ever do. Because from suicides to heart attacks to strokes to you name it people depression, are gonna, all depression all that medication they're going to suffer and what are we going to do uh, how are we going to come together to to actually help these people get through this and you know cuz masks gloves sanitizers that that's not going to cut it that doesn't mean anything so one of the things i've been asking for and we push for on the city council is just to get clear ideas of what we can and what we can't do. You know, tell us what the rules are and we'll try to follow them. Um, and we continue to work and ask the county for clear directions. I just had a couple of meetings with individuals who are in the banquet hall industry. You know, they own banquet halls and, and they're suffering as well. You know, all of a sudden, like, uh, no more weddings, no more large gatherings. So they have to figure out what they need to do to survive mm-hmm. in the coming months. So... It's about telling them 
okay, you know, we can't have this, but we can do this, or what are the other options? In addition to that, you know, the city of Glendale um, has come up with a couple of, uh, I think, pretty critical and important economic assistance packages. So for businesses, starting July 1st, if you're a business in Glendale, or if you're a a residential tenant who's been impacted by COVID-19, you can apply for help from the city of Glendale. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've allocated almost $10 million dollars. And we also received some CARES Act funds, um, about one point, I want to say $1.1 million for businesses and individuals who, let's say, weren't able to pay their rent or need um, help. Um, For the businesses, I think it's up to $5,000. For the uh, renters, it's about $1,500. And it's to help them uh, make it through this um, difficult period. Where the money's coming from is, if you remember a few years ago, we voted for a sales tax increase mm-hmm. in Glendale. So yes. our sales tax is now 10.25%. Correct. Um, which is the max it can be. It can't go higher it's than not, that. We don't think we're going to increase it to cover... No, it can't. It, by law, it can't. Million? No? Uh, so, so no, it can't because partially... Um, uh, no, no, you mean like the 11 million from what? Uh, well, you said it came from... Part of it came from increasing the tax a few years so, ago. So, so right? what happened was we, we increased the sales tax. It was mm-hmm. Measure S. It mm-hmm. went to the voters. The voters approved it. Where the did reason, it go from? From what percentage? It was nine point, I think, seven five, if I'm not mistaken. It so went half to a ten point two five. Half a percent. Yeah, um, that's massive numbers, so, by the way. Don't, don't quote D- me on depending where it on went, what you're depending but, on what you're buying. But, but so, <laughs> so it went to ten point two five percent, which is a max. And the reason we did that is because we're in L.A. County, and the county often passes measures as well. Measure H was one of them. And when it passes in the county, all of our sales tax goes up. But if you're already at the max, you don't have to pay the county. The problem with that is when it goes to the county, you get pennies back on your dollar. So for every sales tax dollar from Glendale that goes to the county, we would get maybe a few cents back. But if we pass our own measure and increase our own sales tax, all of that money stays in Glendale. We get to decide what we want to do with it um, for essential services, fire, police, uh, whatever it may be. Let's talk about that. Yeah, we can. Um, So what we did is, you know, there was about 20 million and some change. It was 20 something million dollars for the first round of money that was received from sales tax. And the city bought some properties that they were going to develop into some affordable housing units. But there was a portion of that that was left over. So we had a long discussion on the city council and we decided, look, it's only right during this time of crisis to put that money back where it is. I mean, I was one of the people that said, you know, we wouldn't even have these sales tax dollars if it wasn't for the residents who live here, if it wasn't for the businesses who live here. And during this time when they're all hurting, it's only right for us to come up with programs and be able to give it back to them in ways that they can use. Um, So that's what we're doing with that right now. And Glendale is the first one to do that, to use the sales tax funds, put it back into the local economy and i'm ready to do it again next year if we're still in this not still in this crisis i hope we come up with a vaccine i hope we come up with a solution i think i hope we come up with cooler heads to kind of realize how we can move forward in whatever this is but um ultimately to help those businesses that we have stay in business and to help people who live in glendale continue to live in glendale because i don't believe the harm necessarily caused to them financially was of their own doing do you believe everybody would get a vaccine though I don't know. I mean, I don't even know. Like, I mean, let's <laughs> let's, see. Ask, let's ask the four of us. Yeah. Would you get vaccinated? I think I think it would depend. Yeah. I don't want to put you on the spot. No, no. I mean, it depends look, if so the government. So, so, no, no, no. Forget the government. Let's say they come <laughs> so, out. So there's a lot of there's a lot of discussion out there about vaccinations, yes. regardless of this. Yeah, I don't want I don't want to get into other vaccines. Yeah, but let me I'm, just say how I operate. Yeah. right. The way we decided to vaccinate our child was based on the recommendation of our doctor. Correct. Mm-hmm. 
and that's what I would continue to do. I wouldn't rely on WebMD or Googling it. I would ask my trusted physician whether they believe it's what I should be doing. And I believe my physician has more of a vested interest in continuing to make sure I continue to stay alive and continue to visit him or her uh, well, for a long time. I agree with half of that. They have a vested interest in you continuing to see them, not necessarily... <laughs> That. But, but I would, that's, that's what <laughs> I would but see. My concern, <laughs> my, see, my concern you is this: see them they, more they have a vested interest that. in making sure that <laughs> the, I'm okay. See, you you were saying, you know, a, a yeah. vaccine will come out, people will get vaccinated, and this will kind of go away. But again, not but every, I mean, not everybody will be vaccinated. Not I everybody will want yeah, the vaccine. Not, but I will tell you this: like for instance, the reason I said that is because I get my flu shot every year. Yeah, I get my flu shot. Do you get sick after the flu shot? I do, but you know, can I tell you, as not as bad as I used to. When I used to get the flu, it used to be bad. And since I've started taking the flu shot, yeah, I'll get sick, but not nearly as bad as I used to. So, And I don't know if that's correlation or causation. I've, I don't never, know I've never taken a flu shot ever in my life. And flu season comes around and the people that I know that get the flu shots, they're, they're like dying in bed. And I'm like, hey, you guys want to go out? Look, or look, we're sick. The, fa- the vaccine thing is we know majority of people are going to, they're going to line up and, you know, even pay a premium to get, you know get the first first dose for whatever reason <laughs> the guinea but, pigs yeah but my my, my question is kind of going Did you back seriously to say someone's gonna pay a premium for yes. that yes don't be surprised are you kidding man. me are you i'm surprised they'll get I think vip tickets why? to be in line why are you serious do you know how many people will actually pay top dollar to get it done 100 <laughs> percent. wait you'll see what happens just wait it's gonna be a shit you show. guys are shitting no. me right now no but man. but i want to go back to the 11 million Okay. Which is a wonderful thing you guys are doing. Yes. Absolutely, I, I yeah, that is. Yeah. I hope it That's doesn't good. in any way backfire on, on on the taxpayers. But my question is this: because I'm a business owner, yeah. I'm a numbers guy. Um, so you you brought up a banquet hall, a banquet hall, for example, the average size banquet hall in Glendale is probably two fifty three hundred capacity, right? That's average. Average. Yeah. So let's say three hundred for round numbers, and the average price per chair until this shutdown happened, was $70. Give or take, yeah. Right? So $70 times 300 chairs, that's $21,000. And typically, they're busy two nights a week. So that's $42,000 a week yeah. times four weeks, say 170 So how do we help those businesses? Like, well, is it no, my help? question is this. hundred seventy grand a month is, let's say, gross revenue times 12 months. You're looking at roughly about $2 million, right? Yes. Okay. Now, that's gross, yes. mind you, people. Yes, gross. You can so, pay five banquet halls and call it a day. What do you mean? Well, here's <laughs> what we wanted. No, no, no. What, what no, I'm, no, my no. question is this. Now, the new law is going to mandate 25% capacity. Instead of 10 per table or 12, you can only have six, and they have to be a certain number of feet apart, which means that the $2 million is cut down to 25%, which is half a million dollars a year, Right. And that operation probably had, say, 40 employees, and they were paying a $30,000 rent plus valet plus this. My question is, how much money can you subsidize for this individual, this business owner, to, to, to remain in business? Because if those 40 people, 75% of the, those guys are out of a job, yeah. now they're on unemployment. That's not helping any one of us because, again, it's putting yeah. pressure on the, on well, the government. I'll listen, right? I'll add one more layer to it. You also have the florists, you have the photographers, Everybody. you have the bakers. Yeah. That's musicians. That's one component so, so of I, I, yeah. I get that, and that's one of the reasons why the banquet halls are of particular concern to me. But every business of, is of concern to me. And to be honest with you, I don't know, but we'll, we are ready and willing to do whatever we can. And I'll give you an example. Restaurants. 
um, probably more so than banquet halls, are a critical business, uh, an economic source of revenue, income, activity in Glendale, and, and they're employment. struggling. And, and well, employment. Yeah. Right? I mean, in economic activity. Yeah. I mean, employment as well. And you know, I was at a restaurant not too long ago. I think last week, and you know, my friend said that they're only doing about forty percent of the business they were doing before, and this is with the reopening, right? So. Um, and before that, when it was just takeout and delivery, they were only doing 10% of what the business right. is. So it's tough. Like, we do what we can. One of the things we did in Glendale is I introduced an idea, and it was passed by my colleagues, to limit these third-party delivery apps from charging so much to these restaurants. Some of them were charging up to 35% of the whole ticket of sale. Yeah. So if you bought $100 worth of food from a restaurant, $35 of it was going straight into the pocket of one of these apps that you use that yeah. we all don't even think about. So now we capped them at 15% during the period of this emergency and this crisis. Mm-hmm. We're not saying that they can't charge it. Look, in a free economy, like in a, they should, if, if a restaurant decides to have 35% because they think it's good for their business or advertising, let them. But in a time when we're all suffering and we're all having to tighten our belts, uh, these apps need to pay uh, their share as well. Um, so we, we do what we can. Um, I don't have all the answers. I wish I did. Um, and uh, we're trying, like I said earlier, we're doing the best we can with the information we have. It's very difficult to sit in that chair and cast those votes when, you know, um, you're doing it based on what staff tells you. You're doing it based on um, a little bit of your own research, but you're mostly doing it based on what people who are lifelong professionals who've gone to school and um, prepared their whole lives to deal with this stuff are telling you to do. And, you know, when it comes to whether it's the masks or whatever, you know, before we voted for that, we had doctors come in and tell us, you know, from Glendale Adventist and other hospitals, they have a group to tell us what it is that they had to, what we should do or what they recommended. See, like a, a lot of this, you know, mask ordinances or mask mandates, um, I think can kind of be limited. I think maybe when you're in a public space, when you're near each other, those can be, you know, regulated. But I as far as... Uh, people going on online trails, on hiking trails, I parks. Agree. I agree. I yeah, don't, and, I don't and another thing, uh, we, but mind you, we have beyond. We, I don't think we, we can even get to all these comments, but there's a ton of people commenting. I saw somebody even mention uh, sporting events for kids. Yeah, they're saying ridiculous. you know our children's as far as AYSO and stuff, soccer games and stuff, they can't go to it. There was somebody who mentioned basketball games and gyms. Uh, I mean, a child is what was the percentage on the kids? It was like. Point zero 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 one percent that a child could even be affected by this. The chances yeah. are like you yeah. and I becoming president. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I laugh partially <laughs> only because like I remember when my son was young, probably the first two years of his life, and we had him in daycare. I don't think there was a month when he wasn't. Sick. Of course, kids. I are think like, he was just like just like a ball of snot. Like we had him in daycare, and I would go and we'd take him, and like the rule was, as long as he doesn't have a fever, we'll take him. Right. Well, you know? there you go. Um, and it's it, I don't know. I, I hear you. It's tough. See, I, I mean, that's I, the thing. Nobody has the answers. Uh, that, that, these, see, these, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for some sort of answer as far as all right, guys. Here, here are the numbers. Here are the percentages. Here are the facts, guys. We have the we have the structure that's supposed to give us the answers, but that structure is failed. They like, don't. It's all about being. It's, it's, it's all about being voted and being popular. These yes, guys that so come in. Fail. Let me let me tell you this. I've I've dealt with all these government agencies, labor laws, IRSs, and uh, state boards, and federal boards, and Medicare boards. 
these guys are supposed to be professional. They, they are jackasses to the to the max. I'll tell you why. I'm sitting right here. No, 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 no. I'll tell you why. <laughs> because when, no, I'm I'm saying you're a because, public servant. Because public the guys servant. that the guys that come to your <laughs> office and they they're the yeah. professionals talking to you about numbers. You want to know something? That guy has never ever seen a profit and loss statement. I can I can guarantee you that never. So he has no he or she has no understanding of. This individual business, how the hell is it, are they supposed to survive? You know, well, we'll increase it by 0.73%, and uh, this will increase this revenue, and I'll get voted again. You know, I'll get into office again. But how the hell is Joe Schmo Sandwich Shop supposed to pay the rent and feed the kids? That's what I want to know, and nobody has the answers. Why? Because it's not sexy. You know, it's not, it's like all these stupid but numbers think, they're talking I about. I think it also has to do with the people asking the right questions. Well, right? And it's about us. Have you asked that question? A number of times, absolutely. Did they give you an answer? Who's they? Not initially. I mean, look, the authorities. Let's say whatever. Yeah, the professionals. The the guys who went to school for it. I'll I'll give you an example. One of the issues was the graduations, right? There was this whole issue with graduations and whether drive-by graduations were going to be allowed. Um, And initially, the county had said no because it was increasing the chance of... um, It would possibly increase the chance of the the infection. (laughs) And, and I was like, okay, I don't get it. you know. And by the way, my wife is a school administrator. She's a principal. And this was one of the issues that she was struggling with as well. So you know, not because of her, but because it was asked by a number of folks, including a few of the schools. I talked to someone at one of the government agencies. And you know, they said, yeah, that's what the County Department of Health is saying. And I said, but you do realize at this very moment, you're passing out meals every day to students at, in a similar drive-by situation. Like, yeah. Families are pulling up and taking a meal at home and eating it. So w- tell me what the difference is. That's all. And I try not to be, listen, I'm not going to call people jackasses. You don't want to be a smartass about it, basically. I'm like, just well, tell me. Explain I, to me. I do because I'm not a public servant. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, I, but, you know, once they're like, well, we understand and we're looking into it, right? Sure enough, like a week later, they, they changed the position and we got to a more reasonable um, way of doing it. And so now drive-by graduations were allowed. It's not the same as of graduation course. on stage, but Which it was sucks. still something. Which yeah. sucks. I yeah. mean, you especially the year of 2020, it's like you you as as a if I was a kid and I was graduating high school and I was the year of 2020, that's a hell of a year to graduate. More like if you're that sperm that makes it, you're like shit in 2020. Yeah, a lot of so, sperm <laughs> made it in 2020. Yeah. And mind you, there, there might be there. Here's the thing: every kid is different. There might be kids who basically barely graduated with those D averages, where for them it's like I don't give a shit. You know, I'm gonna go and run operate my dad's business or junkyard or whatever the hell it is. But then there are those kids who were the. <laughs> <laughs> the junkyard was very specific. Yeah, well, junkyard uh, makes good money. Makes <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's why he's going there. Hence the reason he's a D-average student. But anyways, and then there are those kids who, you know, work their asses off, became valedictorians or graduated with those 4.3 GPAs where they want to be honored in front of their, you know, their peers, the family and everybody. And there's a video on TV and everybody's the on a Zoom thing, meeting. Getting the only thing I would say about that is I, I love... Mark Twain's words about this. He says, "It's in life, it's better to deserve honors and not receive them than to receive honors and not deserve." I them. get it, but it's you it's know, it just, is. You wouldn't I, be I, listen, proud I, to I, see I have, your son. I have, I have two degrees. I have one as a bachelor, a BA, and I got a master's. I didn't have a graduation. I never walked on stage on either one. How did your well, parents feel about your? As far as like you, my parents yeah. only care that if I'm a good human being. They don't care if there's a photo of me in a in a gown. <laughs> All right. See again, like I said, every every kid is different. That, every family is different. And, and look, yeah. my my great grand my grandparents uh, on my mom's side, 
you know, they never even graduated high school because the Nazis occupied Greece and kicked the living crap out of everyone, you know, who okay. looked at them. let's look at it this way now. Forget I mean, forget the graduations. Now, you know, so you have yeah. your thing, big okay. deal. Whatever. You know what? Screw Go the graduation. Become someone. Screw what? Greta Thunberg. By, by the way, I have... Just so you guys know, we haven't been ignoring your questions or yeah, comments. Yeah, guys, I've, you guys comment away. We're we're gonna we're gonna get to it as much as we can. What I've done is I've I've the questions I've asked. Majority of it have been kind of. I'm not as much of an asshole as Artie would think. Now this is all coming from the yeah, watchers. Mind you. No, no, okay. that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Artie, everything I say comes from my heart, so I'm not following no, so, you. No, my, my, I, I, I love everyone, including my critics. Yeah. My yeah. point is, I've tried to kind of uh, I've read Take all away the comments, and then I've asked some of the questions that I've asked have come from them so I, we haven't been ignoring you guys and, and, and there's one question that I've been I was going to ask you as well it's uh, yeah, awesome. I was going to say <laughs> while you get to that guys share this feed because yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people who live in Glendale who might have questions for a council yeah. member and this is a perfect opportunity for them to ask Artie questions and put them on the spot and make them feel uncomfortable jump on the asshole bandwagon yeah jump on the asshole bandwagon but yeah go ahead so my my question and some of the like Andre this is an and a few question. yeah <laughs> uh, are there any public servants around the country where their salaries were also paused or you Affected. know they were uh, what's the word this new word furloughed. I learned furloughed yes yeah. I I, lear- I see so, I learned that word a few months ago I never knew what furloughed June was Jack <laughs> Juneteenth because. Have, no one's ever been furloughed as as far as I can remember. So in Glendale, we talked about we've talked about furloughs a few times during deep economic crises, <laughs> and um, it was something that was on the table um, during our last budget discussion as well, and continues to be on the on the table, right? Because mm-hmm. if if this continues to have a deep impact on the community, then we're going to have to ask some individuals to take cuts themselves. Um, during that discussion, I myself and one other council members even offered h- half of our uh, the council salary is not much. Glendale council ma- members, yeah, you took make, a pay cut yeah, from twenty thousand dollars, and I and I offered. I said, you know, I'm willing to give up half of that um, to to set the tone and set the example. And I think that there have been places where people do that. And let's remember that public servants come in all shapes and sizes. You know, we have a full-time legislature in California and Sacramento that makes over $100,000 or $130,000 a year. But you have states where the legislature only meets part-time. Um, you know, different strokes for different folks. Yes, there ha- I'm sure there have been. I can't give you specific Did examples. Did Adam Schiff, by any chance, take a pay cut? I don't know if he has. That ain't going to happen, know. my I friend. I don't, I don't know if... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why he would necessarily, but really, um, you know how much he's, he's a public servant. I mean, yeah. if if he's gonna tell me, don't go to work, don't worry about your rent, don't worry if you you know if you get kicked out of the house, then I would say please lead by example. Don't take a paycheck. Uh, be a man. Be a leader. Be a leader. Well, I I will tell you this. He did come. So if you go back to our council meeting from a couple of weeks ago, you mm-hmm. can watch the beginning. He. Um, conference called in and we asked him about some of the issues and I did ask him about you know kind of the is anyone putting pressure on the banks for forgiveness of of um, mortgages and and debt because essentially you know all the anxiety that people have whether it's a business owner or whether it's a tenant it has to do with who you owe money to right like everyone owes, owes money to someone and right. we were talking about this before we were recording and went live I mm-hmm. said you know it'd be great if you know, we could put enough pressure on some of these lenders and banks to say, hey, we're going to take the months that where the economy, we literally push the pause button on it and add it to the end of whatever your, the mortgage, of your mortgage or your debt is. 
right? It would make sense. Like if you haven't been able to make payments because you got laid off, your job got stopped, but you know, there's hope that you're going to restart once things get back to normal in quotation marks, that then you continue paying it because you're not trying to run away from your, I mean, some people are trying to, I guess, abuse or game the system, but I think the vast majority of people have fallen on hard times and have the intention to make good on all their uh, promises. Yeah. And he and he acknowledged that, and he said that they're working on it. And he said, that, but the problem is, it's again about understanding how the governmental system works, and even the CARES package, right? You know, the question becomes which economy. It's about who do you want to save? And there was a lot of this during the Obama um, when the first uh, Obama administration when he came into power during the last mm-hmm. economic downturn and crisis, right? He. Um, pushed out. for the bailed out the yeah. automobile companies and there were a lot of people who criticized them mm-hmm. and even within the democratic party there were people saying well the, the car company should die if ford can't survive you know screw ford or screw gm and you know that wasn't his viewpoint and his, ford's his never philosophy. been bailed out by anybody yeah yeah it wasn't ford it was um GM. i think it was gm, GM. GM. Uh, everybody yeah, else yeah, except yeah, for yeah, ford yeah, ford's yeah. never taken a bailout yeah so um you know, ultimately, it, it comes down to that. Like, you know, what is your philosophy? Who deserves it? I think that for all the goodwill that we as taxpayers gave to some of the largest banks in this country to help them during the last economic crisis, uh, they should kick us, uh, kick back a little bit of that goodwill to us now at this but time. But see, it's like they should. But we should Will stay. they? Are they? No, that same <laughs> Adam <laughs> Schiff, he said he's going to let you know. And he'll, he'll, he'll look into it, Well, right? they'll wor- they'll wor- they're working on it. The they're reason I say they're working on it because here's the thing. The way the bills are written, right, you have two chambers, one controlled by one party, the other one by, uh, by another party. And if there was ever an Armenian term um, that's appropriate to this, it's shunukato. Like, uh, they're not going to – the Republicans and the Democrats nowadays in this country agree on very few things because we've siloed ourselves into this very partisan, like, you're either on Team Red or Team Blue, and there's no in-between. Are you a Republican or a Democrat? I'm a human being. I'm a parent. I'm a father. No, I'm as a far Christian. as a politician, I'm a registered. I'm a registered Democrat, but I don't believe that good idea. I don't believe that either party has a monopoly on good ideas. Do Who, you Do you believe that the media has a very very large hand in actually separating the country? Definitely. Well, yeah, that's been proven. I mean, that's not recently, that, as in like, but, but beyond, it's the media on both sides, right? I mean, it's Rush Limbaugh as well, course, as, as much not, as it's Rachel Maddow. I'm, I mean, I'm, here's the thing, but, that, that, but you have to understand why. I mean, like, it's it's interesting to me why people don't realize. So there was this great um, journalist named Ben Bagdikian. Um, did you guys ever see the movie The Post? No. No. So watch The Post. Make a note of it. People watching, where's the camera? Watch The Post. The it Post. was a movie that was, I think, um, was Tom Hanks in it? The guy from Better Call Saul was in it. Um, it was about the. Publishing. I remember the movie, but I so it was it, about yeah. the publishing of the Pentagon Papers, Post. which was a very critical, seminal, like touchstone in American history during the civil rights era, during the Vietnam War protests. So the Pentagon Papers were a classified document by the Pentagon um, officials, stating that officials in the Pentagon stating that the war in Vietnam would not be won. It was a lost cause. Yet America mm-hmm. continued to send young American politicians or, you know, congressmen, Congress and the White House continued to send young men and women, mostly men, into that meat grinder of Vietnam. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that they had this document that said it was a lost cause. Interestingly enough, there was a recent similar document about Afghanistan that was published not too long ago. That they have a lot more care. in common, though. How did they both start? Afghanistan and Vietnam? Yes. I, we can get into that on, on, <laughs> on part two of this podcast when I come back. No. So Ben Bagdikian worked for, I believe, the Washington Post at the time. 
Um, and he was the one who received the Pentagon Papers and wanted to publish them. The president and uh, the authorities intervened and said, you can't publish that because um, it's classified information. It went to court. The Post won, and actually they were able to, and the New York Times actually was, I think, the ones that eventually published it. Point being, there was this great American hero who of Armenian descent named Ben Bagdikin, who was a central character in this whole drama that unfolded. That's a true story and part of American history that a lot of people don't know about. And it's about has to do with freedom of the press, has to do with the powers of the government, has to do with the government lying to the American people, etc., etc., etc. He eventually became the dean of the School of Journalism at University of California, Berkeley, and he wrote a couple of books. One of them was called Media Monopoly. And in the Media Monopoly book, he talks about the dangers in America of having a media that's controlled by corporate interests. And at that time, there were, I think, upwards of, at the time he published a book, which was in the 70s, there were 14 independently operating media companies in America. Nowadays, it's, I think, five or less. There's six, and they're not really independent. So that's the point, being like, you ask a question about, do I believe the media has a role to play in this? Absolutely, because the media feeds into this, and they've realized that this demagoguery of um, being bombastic and attacking either side, calling one side deplorables and calling the other side libtards and et cetera, just tears the fabric of what we are as a community. The country is fully hate, divided, like yeah, fully but, divided. But that's, that's on us. You know? if no, it's I, designed if I, to be that way. Uh, no, I don't think. Why is it designed that way? That's working. It's a uh, divide and conquer. For whom? For whom? Everybody involved. No, I mean, listen, you allow that to happen, right? I mean, I could have easily said, you know, I don't want to come on this show. I've seen blah, blah, blah. Like, I I come on here because I'm excited about having an exchange of ideas. Sometimes we're going to agree on things. Sometimes we're not. But you don't have to agree on everything all the time in order to have progress. Definitely. And the only way to solve it is to talk about it, right? So, you know. Um, I think that we all have to take that on ourselves and we have to not put ourselves in what I call and what's been called echo chambers. If you, if look, I have a policy of like, people have said some very vile crap on my Facebook page when I've posted something and you know, I could, I could take it down or I could just reach, I either, sometimes I've reached out to the person and said, why did you say what you said? Other times I just leave it up because I believe in free speech. Yeah. I believe you have Thank a right you. to be as ignorant as you want to be. Beautiful. In this That's great. Um, and, That's why we started this show. And so, yeah. you go. You know, and, 87 episodes in, man. And, Shit. And, and None think, of us are politically correct. And I think we get, like, we, we are able to evolve and change when we learn more through openness and dialogue. Look, I wasn't the person I am today, 15, 20. If I could go back in time to the high school version of myself, I'd kick his ass, right? Like, because, like, I was. I was stupid about a lot of things, and it took a lot of life experience for me to get to where I am. And I'll tell you, one of the most significant things that's even changed that more is becoming a parent. Like, I look at the world totally different than before I had kids. I think Aura Basil described government the best way on our podcast. I know and, Aura, and I'm yeah. afraid of what you're going to say. No, 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 no. He, listen, to what he, listen to what he said. And we actually had this as a clip of the week, which he said... Politics is like the Republican and Democratic Party, that is. He said it's like... It's like wrestling. You have the good guy and you have the bad guy. The good guy, you know, he'll go on camera, he'll say this. The bad guy will say, oh, you know what, I'm going to beat you up, I'm going to do this. But then outside of the camera, they're still friends. That's basically what it is. But the media has turned this all into a political game where it's like they're turning people, our, our people, United States citizens, Americans, true Americans, into enemies. 
Like people are literally. But why? Who's it's allowing like, that to happen? See, like you're for example, yourself to. I know, but see, no? can you can you wear can I wear a Trump hat or a Trump shirt and walk into a Whole Foods and not be judged? No way. No way. But if I wear a Bernie shirt or if I wear a Hillary shirt and walk into a Whole Foods. I think I'll be praised. You have bigger issues right now than what you just. No, am I am I am I lying? I mean, it cuts Uh, both ways. I don't own a Bernie shirt. I don't know. I I have. I do own many Trump hats. Yeah, but do you see? Do you see what what it's become as far as uh, a simple hat or a shirt? Like that's. But that's what I went to earlier on, right? Like, there's this idea of we treat politics like sports. Mm -hmm. Like you're either a Laker fan or you're a Celtic fan. Well, the Super Bowl isn't happening this this year because apparently Joe Biden can't go live on TV. You know, I think it just has to do for us to look beyond and cut through some of all this and really educate ourselves, inform ourselves, and and try to figure out why does the other side think of... Look, I'll tell you this. I think that there was an interesting book. I forget what... I think it was called... um, was by Matt Taibbi. He's a political correspondent for Rolling Stone magazine. Mm-hmm. But he he went into he went undercover into two different groups. One was the 9/11 conspiracy theorists and the other one was the Tea Party movement. Today like take those as examples of the extreme left and the extreme right. So yeah. the Tea Party was extreme of the right and the uh, uh, 9/11 movement was extreme of the left saying that 9/11 was an inside job. And he said that when he went to those meetings and he got involved, he realized a lot of the folks on both sides, whether you're on the extreme far right, whether you're let's say you're a Bernie supporter or a Trump supporter, it boils down to and what I've heard come out of you guys during this program is this kind of distrust of government. And that goes Small to government. that 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 goes it's not it has, doesn't have to do with the size of government, just the distrust of government because I think the distrust is whether it's big or small, right? And that's rooted in some other historical issues. Americans' belief and trust in government, you know, had its initial erosion during the Watergate scandal when the presidency, which was revered as this, you know, irreproachable, like, office was shown as having committed crimes and having (laughs) tried to hide them, et cetera, trying to game the system. And it's been downhill from then, from the, uh, you know, Clinton, Monica Lewinsky scandal, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And ultimately, I would say that what we have to do is besides, you know, you you shouldn't we shouldn't rely on our political or public leader servants for showing us the way we should educate ourselves, understand our history, understand our political situation and try to do what we can within the communities that we live in for ourselves. Um, Washington, it's going to take a lot more to change Washington than what we're able to do. Now, but we start off with our local communities, our local cities, our counties, eventually the state, and then so I've, I've, change I've, I have two-part question yeah. with regards to that. One is, if, if California decides to move forward with this, you're not allowed to go to the voting booth. Uh, is that in any way going to kind of push you to distrust the state of California as far as They've allowed, again, go back to the massive protests, but yet voting booths are not safe. I mean, so in Glendale and in other uh, uh, jurisdictions, most people are voting by mail anyways. 60% of voters are registered um, to vote by mail. And even on Election Day in Glendale, um, more votes come in before Election Day than uh, on Election Day. Um, so that's a trend, and it's there a are different some. Scale of and voting, there are some though. states. There are some states. Where, I mean, some counties and jurisdictions in California, which do all mail votes. The state of Oregon does an all mail ballot election. 
Um, and I'll, you know, I know the fear is that there's some sort of corruption that this is going to open the floodgates. We've been using vote by mail voting for military and others. It's not the evil that people want to make it out to be. You're talking about um, only 45 to 55 percent of people voting at its highest point. Anyways, the issue isn't who's gaming the system. The issue we need to ask ourselves is why isn't the other half of our voting population not voting? Well, we're you never going to get to 100 percent. Why not? And, what, and the question to ask, because let's, let's shift gears. I'll, I'll, I'll tell How you do why. we get to people? How I'll, I'll tell you to, why. I'll, by the way, why does everyone else get whiskey on this show and I am stuck with the coffee? Right? He watches the show. absolutely right, but you, we figured you're a public servant. I'll, we didn't want they to may not want you to. I'm, I'm going to ask the second part it's and I'll get, get you whiskey right now. No, it's fine. That's fine. The second part was, so if... If this circus act continues and we end up not actually having debates, uh-huh. are you going to question the system at all? Or are you I do think we okay? need. To, I mean, because I would, because uh, I think you can have debates uh, on Zoom. On, on yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, you can. Right? Well said, man. I would. I See, would watch I mean, it on Zoom. Like as it's long not. As it's not a good enough happens, excuse though. to not have debates. And, why, and, why can't but we I have would, Trump but and I would Biden only tell you six feet apart? We, they we, are six feet apart already. So here's the thing, though. Fifty feet apart. Here's what I would say. Mm-hmm. We don't really have debates in this country. What we have is political pageantry, right? It's a show of who can come up with the most clever zinger, who's going to mm-hmm. have the memorable line of the night, who didn't shake whose hand and who didn't. Animasta. That's not getting to the core of the issues. Right. But I like it. That's, that's, been, that's, been, that's the way it's been for years. Well, the what, Democrats, that's I what they're afraid of, Biden. that Trump is going to roast Did you guys Biden. ever see the movie Idiocracy? <laughs> the Idiocracy? Idiocracy. That's that sounds, what the Fortnite used to always talk about, that is, movie. Is that what movie. he talked about? The Idiocracy? Idiocracy is a great movie. So, watch it. There's where a did the word conspiracy theories come from? I mean, I don't know. It well, did start right after JFK. I just want to let you guys know. <laughs> There the, you go. And it's coined by the CIA right after JFK. And that's why, to answer his question of why doesn't the other half vote, I'll tell you why. Because the other half doesn't believe that government, especially presidents, are elected. The other half believes that they are selected. No, it's, man. What do you, I don't know. Don't you remember? You're, but you're talking about for 50% of... A population that may be true for some, but that's a well, very four don't, hold on. Wait, wait, there's don't four of us here. Okay, I voted already. My my ballot's in. Okay. I know who I voted for. You I voted know already. Of course, I did. So Look, if voting nice. doesn't work, but right, uh, I I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Of course, but see, here's the thing. As far as that forty percent you're talking about, here's what's going on in California. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is true. Democratic Party wise, it's split so bad that there's like the biden supporters and then there was basically the uh bernie Bernie supporters and it was the same with hillary and bernie now you can ask any bernie supporter will you vote for biden i'll guarantee you at least 80 to 90 percent of them will say i'm not going to vote this year and that's exactly maybe. what happened. That's, maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I that's another reason. And, and Steve Bagumian, who was on the show, and he's, you know, he's a dem- he, he votes blue. Liberal. Yeah, he's a liberal. He said, we have 364 million people in the United States, and Biden was the best we can do. I mean, you can say the same thing about Trump within the Definitely. Republican Party, right? So, I mean, here's the reality. Well, no, he's not but a see, Republican, thing. though. That's what we got to talk about. Well, no, no, no. Forget it. The thing so, is, it's about, it's about okay. Like, like he Artie's not a Democrat, just like he well, said. I, Trump is really not well, a Republican. The problem no. is we need to get rid of the two-party system. Uh-huh. That's when we said we do have cracks in the system. That's one I'm, of the I'm major I'm getting, like, cracks. major deja vu right now from, like... Our, our basils? 
No, was it Ara Basil or, or the last show you guys had with Ara with Paul? Well, I feel, Paul, like, I feel like this stuff continues to be a, it's, a it's, recurring theme. The, the thing the, is, the, it just keeps so, it keeps coming around and around because all this, st- all the no everything answers. that's going on, yeah. and then it's like everybody's saying, you know what? It's it's uh, it's voting season. It's basically uh, November. Everybody's going to be voting, and they're trying to. Basically, again, like I said, divide the country. Who who's going to vote Democrat? Who's going to vote Republican? What's going to happen? And I think Charles Barkley was the one who said it best. He said, and it was. Te- I mean, quote me if I'm wrong. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. But Charles Barkley tweeted out saying the Democrats uh, care about black people once every four years. Do you know when he said that? When? It's like twenty. I want to say twenty sixteen. Was it twenty sixteen? Yeah, twenty sixteen or twenty eighteen? He said it a while ago. Maybe it was last year. Well, it was twenty. Well, it was twenty sixteen. It was another. It was Maybe basically twenty nineteen. But he said a while ago, right? He didn't say Call that. Call it 2016. 2016 but, but was what, I think election it was year? Like the, I think there was something to do with an Alabama Senate race or Arkansas. Because he played for Auburn. Did, Did he? I think so. I, I don't now I'm just making stuff up. Who would you want as president? Not Trump, not Biden. Who would you want as president today that's still alive? That's still alive. Um, that's a really good question. I'll have to think about that. Can I answer it before the show's over? Yeah, definitely. You can think about uh, it. Can Absolutely. I give you my answer to that question? Yeah. I would go with Ron Paul, even though he's almost 90. Oof, no. Why? Ron he's Paul? He's the only one that was almost going to... Sp- he m- no, almost no. messed up the two-party system, bro. 2012, people but, forget. But he got thing, 20%. The, 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 the party system, the two-party system, Horrible. every so often gets like this uh, jolt. I mean, actually, the statistically, the person who came closest to disrupting the two-party Ross system Perot. was Ross Perot. Yeah. Ross Perot gained more votes than any other third-party candidate, and he actually succeeded in creating a third party. I believe it was the Reform Party, if I'm not mistaken. Was it the Reform or was he independent? No, it was called the yes, and Reform there was Party. Some, uh, they didn't and then, Pat, the and then Pat Buchanan was the candidate uh, for them, I want to say in 2000. Um, but yeah, Ross Perot was the one who came closest to it. Um, I've always liked Teddy Roosevelt and the Bull Moose Party. If you look up the Bull Moose Party and their platform, I think most of you would, most people would agree with it. Yeah, it's well. Hold on, hold on. He was independent, reform, and then he recently became Republican. Who? Ross Perot. Oh well, is he still alive? He's. Is he alive? Shit! No, he died. Sure. <laughs> he died. He died in uh, July. Uh, he died July ninth, twenty nineteen. So eighty nine yeah. years old. Well, God rest his soul. He but died a Republican. When did he die? Really? Uh, July 9th, 2019, we're at 89 years old, Ross Perot died. Oh, my God. He missed coronavirus by a year. He, we're ta- we're he could about, have had it, too. We're talking about third parties. Yeah, third um, party. But he was an independent, and he was a reform. So, basically, when he was running, he was running as an independent. That's what he in 95. Trump is an so independent. So, te- look up Teddy Roosevelt and um, the progressive Bull Moose Party. So, Teddy Roosevelt was a Republican, and then he broke off from the Republicans and created his own Republican, what he believed the roots of the Republican Party were. If you look up the Bull Moose Party's platform um, and read it out loud, you'll you'll just shake your head because you'll think, you know. How bad is it? It's not it's great. I think it's fantastic. Oh. It's great. What's sad about it is that we're fighting, you know, this was, I think, in 1919, if I'm not mistaken. And we're still fighting for the same issues yeah, 100 so years later. From or maybe eight, it was 1909. So from 1880 to 19. I'm sorry, from 1880 to uh, 1911, he was a Republican. And then from 1912 to 1916, it was called the Progressive Bull Moose Party. And then back, and then again, from 1916 to 1919, he became a Republican again. Yeah, so, but if you read the Bull Moose Party's platform, you'll be like, I could, I mean, at least I read it, and I'm like, I could get behind this now. 
Can you elaborate on it? What is it exactly about? I mean, it's about universal health care. It's about, you know, making sure that, you know, corporations don't have undue influence in the American political system. It's about, um, you know, uh, limiting the uh, giving, you know, at that time there was like no such thing as like weekends or child labor laws. It's about protecting those individuals. Um, I mean, I'll try to bring it up and uh, look it up on my phone while we're talking about COVID-19 or whatever. Have you guys talked about who he's voting for? Yeah, can, can, so, or do you so, do you not so, want no, to talk can, about? No, that? absolutely. For me, the main thing is the Supreme Court. So I would like to see a more balanced Supreme Court, and for that reason, I'll be voting. I, I had said this before. I'll vote for the Democratic candidate because I think that you need mm. to have balance. Look, you already have two conservative Supreme Court justices. I think it's only fair if Ruth Bader Ginsburg passes or comes <laughs> off the bench, which it's likely. I mean, she's up there, and her health is not all there. I would like to see a more um, I mean, speaking uh, of health, balance. I mean, have you seen Nancy Pelosi? There's a lot of Schumer. There's a lot of there's a lot of Biden. Trump is no spring chicken. There's a lot of. Uh, I mean, I know, but I mean, have you seen? I mean, physically, Trump still looks okay. From all it, four of those, which one of those can do well, what Trump does on a daily basis at, and survive? Uh, can you pull up yeah. dementia? See, oh, yeah, yeah, see yeah. how many of the symptoms Biden. Do you really want me to pull it up? <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I, do you think he has dementia? I, I deal with. I mean, I already patient. already won't say. Okay, so here I we deal go. With so dementia here's, patients here's, here's the platform. Thing he does. The platform. I, I honestly think he, I don't think he knows he's running for president. The, the platform for the Progressive Party is strict limits and disclosure <laughs> requirements on political campaign contributions. Okay. Registration of lobbyists. Recording and publication of congressional committee proceedings. A national health service to include all existing government medical agencies. Social insurance to provide for the elderly, unemployed, and disabled. Limiting the ability of judges to order injunctions to limit labor strikes. A minimum wage law for women. Keep in mind, this is all back in the day. An eight-hour workday, um, which we all appreciate more or less today. Federal se- a federal securities commission, farm relief, workers' compensation for work-related injuries, an inheritance tax, women's ability to vote, women's suffrage, direct election of senators, Primary elections for state and federal nominations, uh, easier to amend constitution, um, recall elections, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and their explicit party. Platform. I think a lot of this is going on right now, though. Yeah, the, and their their platform can be asserted uh, as to dissolve the unholy alliance between corrupt business and corrupt politics, um, and that is the first task of the statesmanship of the day. So l- let's take, for example, Jeff Bezos, right? Yeah. The wealthiest man on paper in the world if we told let's say if there was a government mandate that stated um you get to run amazon to a one and a half trillion wherever it's at today to a Mm -hmm. zillion dollar company but you only get to actually keep let's say for example three billion of your wealth the other not the 158 whatever he has currently um, the other 150, whatever amount that is, you have to be, you have to give back to the community, whether it be uh, education, housing, healthcare. So they anything. get to decide what they give it to. No, no, no. It's still, it's still decided by whatever the need is for that community. Okay. Um, do you think? We would have many Jeff Bezoses out there if that. Well, was essentially, what you're saying is, if they were taxed a certain amount. Would that depreciate or diminish people's willingness Discourage. to work as hard? Yeah, I think that's an old trope. I mean, you look at countries in Europe where there are, you know, companies 
have pay far more in taxes and they continue. My question is, if you're an American company that benefits from the laws of this country and the workforce and the educational system, why the hell do you not want to pay more taxes? Why do you not want to give more? You know, to those to whom much is given, much is expected to give in return. And this idea that somehow these companies, especially, you know, I hate to sound like Bernie Sanders and say the top one percent of the one percent, but you know, I mean, really, they should be <laughs> that giving back. Yeah. That was pretty better, good. Better than your North Korean version of it. <laughs> I don't even want to hear that. I mean, uh, you know, why isn't Jeff? Ba- why isn't everyone paying more taxes? You know, so the you country has socialism. Well, no, man. That not, has nothing to do with it. Why, why, why bring up socialism? But, I and mean, you know what? Here's the other thing. People talk about socialism in a negative way. You can talk about anything in its worst example, right? But, Artie, the thing is I the mean, money goes to the lazy as well, man. How so? There's com- the, the, no the, the, the unemployment, I mean, the I mean, welfares, all those let's things, talk about, Let's talk about a socialist concept. I mean, we're all graduates of public school here, right? Two from mm-hmm. Hoover, two from Glendale. Yeah. Public schools are socialism. Explain I know, but to me how it's not socialism. I know, we're, but here's we're the thing: all beneficiaries of that wonderful system and that. I process. understand. See, here's the thing: we pay our taxes, we pay our dues, and there's certain things that obviously those pa- those taxes pay for: police, fire, you know, uh, socialism, all that stuff. Yeah, it is. It is. It is some sort of socialism, absolutely. But when you basically take advantage of the system and you literally milk the system, like for example, okay, I'll work, I'll pay my dues, I'll pay my thirty percent. I'll pay my 40%, whatever it is in taxes. But why should I, con- if I make more money, why should I pay more in taxes and have the, basically, you know, lazy Joe sit on his ass and collect welfare checks and uh, food stamps and, and not work as hard as, as me? But that's why com- not. That's why should I take to, away from? Why should so I take away from the food? So that's the food conflating two too. issues, right? One of them is like, you know, the social assistance programs that we have, which I think that are necessary, but could possibly use reform. I don't know enough about them. I don't know who's taking... I mean, look, I'll give you one example and we can relate on this. Go ahead. You're in, you're in real estate. Like, I've had landlords call me and say, you know that how many people there are that are not paying their rent, that can be paying their rent right now, but they're taking advantage of the situation. I hear that all the you time. You see? So here's what, you know, when I had people write to me um, on, on my council email, I responded back to all the property owners. I said, please tell me, what percentage of your tenants right now, how many units do you own, how many of them are not paying their rent? And what I came to discover just based on anecdotal, it was mm-hmm. research. I mean, it was about 40, 50 responses, but um, maybe it was closer to 40. But most of them said about 20% of their tenants were not paying their rent okay. right, in COVID-19. So that means 80% of people were paying their rent despite this crisis that we're in. On top of that, of that 20%, the question becomes, well, what percentage of that is able to pay? Because we know that some people are really, and we all know people who've been, sitting at home because they haven't been able to work, you know, yeah. whatever it was. I mean, we were just talking about the banquet halls, right? Mm-hmm. So those people aren't making stuff up. They're not taking advantage of a bad situation. The matutsos, uh, the florists, whatever. So what percentage of that 20% then is, quote unquote, gaming the system or trying to try take advantage of it? How do we get to finding out that accurate number? That's the key. So to say that everyone's taking advantage of welfare, or everyone's doing this is inaccurate. And same with public school. We all went to public school. We know students that were there every day, ready to learn. And then there was a student that was there and just throwing their feet up and wasting the teacher's time, making our lives miserable, who were trying to learn. Not everything is 100%, nor is it perfect. There's going to be give and take. There's going to be gain and loss and everything, right? Question is, what is for the greater good? Do we all agree that having a public school system or an education system in this country is for the betterment of the whole country, or is it not? Some people would say no. 
I would argue and say I think it's a good thing. But where do we rank in, we as far as it. education in, in globally? Yeah, of, like as America, no, yeah. as yeah. world on a worldwide basis. Where do we, since we're doing it right? I mean, I'll take I'll take, I'll take uh, our system, however it is, over having no system. Um, again, it, this has so not, not, nothing you, to wait, do with let's, us. Wait, let's just talk it this way. Like the four of us here, Armenia has been around as a independent country thirty years. Would you take Armenia's public education system today or America's? I don't, know, I, I, don't, I don't know enough about Armenia's educa- public educational system, but I would probably take, you know, my, I'll tell you, my son um, will be going to the Glendale public school system, okay. the same one I went to. Same, I went to a public school system. Uh, now, Armenia has chess at their schools. I would love to have chess in the Glendale schools. What do you think of that coming to Glendale schools? I've been, you know what? Now you're talking about an issue that really gets me excited. <laughs> I've been, no, I'm dead serious. I want chess to come into public schools. Um, I work with, if I can make a plug for the American Chess Academy run by Armin Ambarsumian. Um, he runs a great school. There's a couple of really good, um, the Keshishian family, they run a couple of really good chess academies. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, there's a, um, there was a documentary called Brooklyn Castle, um, which is about this school in Brooklyn that actually instituted chess. Oh, wow. And the kids' test scores went up dramatically. Check it out. I think it's called uh, Brooklyn Castle or... Um, Brooklyn Rook. And, no, let's go. And I, and I would love to have that. But that doesn't mean like, you know, you're saying, well, Armenia has chess, America doesn't, so therefore... No, forget so about no, no, chess. No, no, forget about chess, I'm man. About you look at progress. where do we rank? Okay, no, no, no. Are we number No, no, no. As far as, like, night, yeah. we, we, we're not even top 20. We're not top I don't 50. even think we're top are fifth. I think we're in like the 40s. 43 maybe? Something like that. No, yeah. that chess yeah. question was yeah. leading to something No, else, no, no, guys. but I know, but... Can, Go we, ahead. can we he, go through he, with this? Oh, you're playing to, chess. He's about no. to checkmate. Oh, he's no, 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 yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. There was something about that. <laughs> yes. Wait. So how about defunding the police? What do you think of that? That's Is a Glendale going to defund That's the police? That's a fabulous idea. Why am I saying this? Chaz. Okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> look, look, I'm not going anywhere because Artie's working with Glendale. So I want to stick right. to Glenda. I don't want to go you know, anywhere else. People right? have been—they've been mentioning defunding the police. Oh, in the like, comments, m- you have no idea how many times. No, let's oh, go. Oh, let's I go know. to this. Wait, saying to defund or not? To no, defund? they're saying ask him about defunding the police. Okay. Ask him about. And then somebody's saying, "Are you serious? Oh, somebody, so please ask him." about Majority it. of our yeah, listeners yeah, yeah, are going to yeah, think that I would say don't defund the police, right? Uh-huh. Would you think? What would you think I was? Gonna say? I would say you would say <laughs> based on how you said that. Well, you would want to def- you would want to define what defunding means. Are you talking about reform? So I think like reform this. This is. This is where I'm coming from. Okay. Glendale police chief. Uh-huh. Ridiculous pay. I mean, look, you do... What's the pay? 250000 a year. Why Almost would, half a million after benefits okay. for one why police chief. Okay, why would you say that's ridiculous, that's wor- though? It is ridiculous. Why? Any No public servant should make half a million a year. I'm w- sorry. Why not? It just shouldn't be like that. That's I think, a public I, By servant. the way, I think statistically sorry. the highest paid public servant in California is I think the either basketball coach for UCLA or the football coach. Either way, it's money that's not well are those, spent. Those are considered public servants, right? Yeah, well, they're public employees, yeah. They're public employees, but they're yeah. not public servants. Yeah. The president's pay well, is not, not as high service as to UCLA. Or listen, I think, I think, listen, I think wait, wait. it might be Glendale U.S. Wait, pub, uh, superintendent this. that's the highest He makes right more now. money than Trump does. Okay, so should police officers make... No, no, no. Police officers are making not that much money. Well, they should on. get more money. Some of but these the guys... chief should not be making that much money. With overtime, they so. make probably 150 grand a year, police officers. They Is that deserve okay? a penny of it. Why? Every penny of it. Why? That's a lot of money. Listen, if your family doesn't know if you're going to come home that night or not, that's a dangerous job. Didn't the chief go through all that to become chief? Yes, but the pay gap shouldn't be that big, guys. 
Mm. I'm like watching a tennis match. Hold on. How, how old is the, is the police chief in London? How old is the police chief? Art is like, oh, the heat's off of me. <laughs> you, no, no, no. Uh, here's you, you my take idea. another sip before Art's we my, get back Here's my to thing. You. Like, if, if you have a specific <laughs> public figure like that getting that much money... So, and but your question was, and I think the listeners want to know about defunding, right? So yeah. let's talk about defunding. So I think that, you know, in, in the wake of the uh, murder and death of George Floyd and some of um, Breonna Taylor and a number of others, there's been a lot of attention on policing. And I think that some of that attention is really good. I think others of it are emotional and reactionary. And I do want to see a better defining of what they mean by defunding. You know, some folks have said, well, we need to invest more in social services. I don't disagree. I think that there are some areas where we need to spend more money. Mental health is one of them, right? You know, when we, every time there's a, a, another mass shooting, we talk about mental health and then a couple of weeks go by and everyone stops talking about mental health. And I'm sure everyone here around this table and listening knows someone who is in desperate, desperate need of some sort of help and, and medical attention because mm-hmm. of mental issues. Um, we Even can do, that needs we, to again, get reformed. Already. So, so you know, when we talk about, I don't think that you know, saying defund the police in some places, maybe the police aren't doing a good job. In which case, they do need to look at how to better spend the resources. Like Ferguson, Missouri, that was a complete, you know, um, terrible disaster. The way um, the whole situation around um, the loss of life of that one um, uh, African American individual and the police's response was i don't know if you guys remember it it was like days of riots yeah um and there's real issues there right so the question becomes how does that police department change but to say defund the police and apply it to every single police force across the country is as foolish as someone saying well socialized medicine doesn't work you know socialized medicine works fine in canada works fine in france works fine in a number of european countries it may not work let's say necessarily in some countries that are most the worst examples of socialist uh governments like you know, I don't know enough about Cuba or Venezuela, but I would venture to say it doesn't work as well there as it does in some of those other countries. Um, similarly, defunding the police may be right for some communities. It may not be right for others. So I think you have to look at each community as to what its needs are, um, where the resources are spent. I'm open to having discussions about, you know, what we do to make sure that an incident like the ones that have shaken our country do not happen in Glendale to whether it's someone who's black, Armenian, Latino, Asian, whatever they may be. I don't care. So do you um, think I don't want my and I don't want my kid. And I, and I grew up with um, black friends in Glendale who once they were old enough, they moved away from Glendale and never came back. Yeah. And it wasn't because of necessarily the police. But it's not the issue of racism, which has come up in our country, is not just about George Floyd. The um, white Caucasian woman in Central Park who threatened to call the police on that African-American man who was there just to bird watch was not a police officer, yet she knew exactly what her words were when she wept technically, not technically, but almost weaponized them and said, I'm going to call and say that there's an African-American man threatening me. I'm going to call the police and say there's an African-American man threatening me. That woman wasn't a police officer, yet she knew what the consequences of her words could possibly mean. Fortunately, that guy was videotaping her, right? Yeah. I mean, that could have ended up horrible for that person. So the question becomes, what do we say about ourselves as a country? What can we do to make sure that someone like that is not living in fear that, you know, people are not, again, judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character? And we have a long ways to go towards that. As Armenians, as Armenian Americans, we should be the first ones to understand that. But see, here's the thing. Every, every in every business in every culture, there's always that one 
bad potato or that bad batch. Like for example, uh, you go to In and Out, you have a you have a double double constantly. One day, you know what? You have a really bad burger. Does that necessarily mean that In and Out's bad? No. You have you might have a bad cop. That's what it. That's what it Not is. Not a wrong example because that's the most consistent burger spot you can get. I know. That's what. I, well, that's what I'm saying. If you have a if you have one bad burger, does it mean that well, In and Out is bad? No, it it's doesn't. It's not bad. There, there must be percentage, whether it's five, ten percent. But this isn't about if, if what you, I'm saying. Right? Is this is not about the police. So this okay, let's say let okay let's uh, let me ask you this: If the Glendale citizens came up to the city council on a Tuesday and they literally marched into the council meeting and they said defund the police, would you be for or against defunding the police? No, I would say let's have a conversation. What do you want? What I mean, is what it? conversation what is, is, what is there is, to what have? What it should be right we're, right we're away. It should be no conversation now. No, we're having no the, no because listen, <laughs> that's what everyone wants. This is the conversation. Everyone wants policy to be this or that. It's not. The thing is, what about police? Do you want to defund? There's no that. That is. Here's the thing. Anybody in Glendale who comes up to a council member, if I'm running for, if I'm a council member, they come up to me and the first thing they say is defund the police. I'm not. There's nothing to think about. It's no right away. What if? What if getting to a place where we have more racial equity and people are getting along better requires more money in the police department here here's I some live, people say no, not a police I mean, issue. no that's not a police uh, issue a police i, I issue. live in glendale and here's the thing I, I do real estate in glendale and the three main reasons why people buy and one of the main reasons is safety safety, safety you call 911 yeah. in glendale and you call 911 in sunland and i've talked about but this many times but that's exactly what i was saying right that saying that defund the police and to use that with a broad brush that cannot be applied equally look i'll tell you this Los Angeles has longer response times for their police than Glendale does. Why is that? Because they have less police officers to patrol a larger and area. And they just took away Look, $41 million from that police department. 41 or 150? I thought it was more. How much was it? I thought it was 150. 150. Was it 150? But it was $150 million yeah. that they had given the previous year. Again, it was a little bit of... That's, this well, already, that's but, money. But, but, but let me but tell what's you this. this and that? So, Wait, that, that little stuff is where we, we want to know well, Because I, The only reason I say that is I don't know the city would, of Los Angeles' yeah. budget. But, but it, I can tell you, we're going to the city of Glendale. I, what I'm, what yeah. we're saying is, if, if the even concept or even the subject of defunding the police should come up, I think every single council member should turn around and say, "There's nothing wrong with our police system. We are actually, what were we, number three how, ranked how, safest city in America?" Well, yeah, okay. But there's a lot of Armenians who but think you say, the but police you say in Glendale nothing, are racist. But you and say that, they used to be not. No, no, no. no I don't care what uh, they used a, to be. Ask Armenian young kids; they think. Police officers in Glendale profile them, and they're very racist. Those do are Ar- I, they're Armenian kids. Do I think that? Absolutely not. Of course I, not. I don't think so. But, they used to not. But today. but but okay. Ask so a, ask a black black person the same thing. When no. I was growing up, we probably had two Armenian officers in Glendale Police Department. So how do you think the fact that more Armenian officers were hired came about? Do you think that happened in a vacuum? Because more Armenians got involved into the city, like yourself. Okay. Did we just? All of a sudden, grow or you know, materialize off thin air. No, I, I mean know. it goes I, back to like voting involvement, yeah, and engagement, I, 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 and the same yeah. thing with like Black Americans, right? When you look at a city like Ferguson, that's majority Black, but its police force is almost entirely white. What do you expect will happen? Why aren't in a there more like bl- Black police there? Because I, I they don't, don't want to become police. I don't officers. know. I, can I? T- Damn. What? When you say that, you know that's exactly what they used to say about Armenians. Becoming police officers in Glendale. That's not yes. true. That's exactly the that, same. That's not that is that's exactly the same thing they used to say about Armenians Can I tell, becoming police officers. Will your parents want no, you no, to no. become an out? Let me just say officer. Something. Do you know I why though? Why? Officer. Because in Armenia the police were looked down upon. 
It was a cultural well, thing. Well, we're here now. But exactly. The point is, the okay. point is it's I'm a sure different culture find, now. Yes. I'm I tried sure to be find. a sheriff, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. You so lied see, to be Artie, you, you, is, hold on. You were, you were born here, right? Yeah, you was. were born here. You were raised here. Yeah. I wasn't born here. He wasn't born here. He wasn't yeah. born here. We grew up basically. We're, we're first. We're not even for my daughter's first but, generation here. Yeah. But my family, as far as, okay, when you look at a police officer, especially coming from a corrupt Soviet country, I don't it was disagree. looked as far I, as, yeah. okay, the cop pulls you over. What do you do? He sticks his hat out. You throw some money in there. He lets you go. It's like. You know, did you see that? He just took he just took money from me. But, but, even, but even that has a lot of interesting layers to it, right? Like, everything has layers. So the, the difference between the Soviet system and what happened in the Soviet Union versus in America and how bribery worked in the Soviet Union versus here was that in the Soviet Union, and this isn't my words, this was an observation, I think, by P.J. O'Rourke or someone, uh-huh. he said, who had done some studies, and it's an anecdotal observation but it's a good one so in the soviet union you used to bribe someone to do the job that they were supposed to do so if you wanted an apartment or you wanted a car and you went to the dmv or to whatever department was that gave housing well, you would you, say look you I need want to clarify they, government employees yes yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Not, so, not, so, not 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 private yeah so, not pri- so, there was no private, yeah, yeah. There was well, no well, private. well in the soviet economy everything was the government right it exactly. was a controlled yeah. economy so you would want food or you want shoes and you'd have to go to someone and even though it was your right to get it, you wouldn't get it unless you did a little something extra, a little something something, Wasn't right? Wasn't that part of socialism too? That's, that's the, Soviet the Soviet Union. Soviet Union. Soviet There's Union. communism, socialism um, mixed well, together into like beautiful so, Marxism. So the difference in America is the bribery occurs for the person to not do their job, right? You get pulled over for speeding and you know the person tries to give the bribe to get out of something that they should be receiving a, a ticket for. So it's that difference in concept. In the Soviet Union, the bribery culture was part of survival you want to provide for your family and so you had to bribe to get something some of those bribes were done for statuses but it became a norm and and that that has happened by the way in american culture in certain places as well right like in um you know there's that culture around mafia and etc but the point being like it's hard to change those things those things kind of get bred into the culture i know armenia is struggling with it but i want to talk about armenia i want to talk about you're right. In, in, when Armenians come to the U.S., there is that distrust of law enforcement. But to say that Armenians don't want to become cops, certainly we've disproven that by the number of Armenians that we have on look the police many, force Look now. how many But back in the taken, day, you know, you know, here's the thing. Do, you, do we all know, we know that being a police officer is a dangerous job. Yes. Being a firefighter is a dangerous job. They're also both very well-paying jobs. Yes. And when I was having discussions and arguments with people in both of those um, forces at the highest levels when I was a city clerk, um, they would say the exact same things. Armenian families don't want their kids to become firefighters. Armenian families don't want their kids to become police officers. So I'd say, okay, why? Well, it's dangerous. It's unsafe. I'd say, okay, let's assume that. But I know right now kids who are in the U.S. Marines fighting, Armenian kids who are in the U.S. Marines deployed in Iraq or in Afghanistan. You're telling me an Armenian kid has an easier time convincing his parents to go halfway across the globe to you know, fight, fight for a senseless Al Qaeda, and you can't get that same kid to sign up for a job that can potentially pay we, him a six-figure salary. We are salary? evolving. Yeah, we're but evolving. I don't think the black community is. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because look, all this is a social issue, my friend. Look at look at the numbers. Because again, the media talks about you know black armed unarmed getting killed by white cops. Look at the numbers. More white unarmed. Men obviously predominantly get killed by cops than do black unarmed blacks, and the numbers are more than double. And then there's Hispanics and so on and so forth. 
And then you look at the communities as far as look at the prison system. What percentage of inmates out of the 2.1 million uh, nationally are blacks? And what percentage of those inmates, what type of family structure did they have? You, this is, you have to look at the social upbringing of these people. It has nothing to do with the color of their skin. It has to do with the fact that just over the weekend, there were hundred and some shootings in Chicago. A couple of kids died. Innocent kids died. How come we don't talk about that? We, we talk about George Floyd. We no, talk but we about... Should, but we should, absolutely. But, but, but that, we that never should will. Be, that yeah. should be we on the news. Will. That three-year-old boy that died, that seven-year-old girl that was shot, it's, that it's should never, be blasting on, on the news. Can I, can I ask you something? But Did you watch the video of George Floyd? Yes. Of course. How, how All nine mean? minutes of it. It was disturbing. It was was terrible. Eight minutes, But but to me, what's more disturbing is a parent burying their two-year-old daughter. No, they're both disturbing, though. No, it's not. The George Floyd is not disturbing because he was a... He was a cocaine dealer. I he don't care what he was. I don't care what he matters. was. No. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Here's the thing. The two-year-old no. didn't have a choice. Up it. No. That 46-year-old man made a choice to do something wrong. Yes, the consequences were horrible. Tr- horrible. I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not justifying what the cop did. But that two-year-old kid and the seven-year-old kid and You're the eight-year-old kid. It's a kid, different feeling. I get you. They yeah, were in the I wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Why? They're kids. They shouldn't be shot so to death because way, they George grew up in Floyd Chicago. Was in the wrong place at the wrong no, time. George, that was going to happen to George Floyd because he chose that life. Event that was what inevitable. Life? What? The guy was a coke dealer. The guy was a drug addict. I don't. I mean, listen. No one you deserves. Ch- when you like, we have, that we have life, a set of, We talk gonna, about. We, we talk his about. His biggest downfall laws, was that like, he had COVID when he died. That was his. <laughs> here's no, the thing. No, the way listen, George. Here's the thing. The way George Floyd died and the way he was treated was terrible. No human being should be treated that way. Of course. But at the end of the day. I mean, you have to look at it like this. Those kids, yeah, that they, that they died of innocence where they were shot and killed. Yeah, wrong place, wrong time. But again, the cops that did what they did to George Floyd should be punished. Of like, course they should. Beyond uh, that's beyond the point of it. My, the point I'm making is a two-year-old did not choose to be born in an environment where she could be shot or he could be shot. George Floyd and the other guys, black, white, purple, this choose a life where they get into the prison system. And but how do they get into that prison system? Because, again, of the their family structure, family. their no, upbringing. No, it has nothing to do. Listen, there are... Regardless of what people's family backgrounds are, there are people who are trying to do right, trying to live better lives. Do you know know that? Listen, there's a great book about the justice system and the inequities in it. It doesn't just talk about blacks. It talks about Latinos. Again, it's called The Divide. Um, And it's, again, another book by Matt Taibbi. Obviously, I like reading his articles. (laughs) And I think you guys would enjoy it, too. But he talks about this cycle of institutionalism. When you ask about, you know, why do more blacks not want to become police officers? You know, there's... There's a background check in in to become a Glendale police officer. You have mm-hmm. to take a polygraph, and you know if you come from a system where from a very young age you're stopped by police officers, arrested, you know, um, uh, for possession of marijuana, whatever it may be, right? And you have a record. It becomes infinitely harder, and it doesn't become. It's it, you don't see yourself in that role. So, necessarily, so who right? chose so, to have the marijuana on them? I mean, listen. Again, it's about... No, no, seriously. Who chose to have the marijuana or cocaine or... The question becomes the circumstances that a person finds them in, right? I mean, there's... It's let's very say, easy to judge. Okay, let's say he afar. didn't have it, Artie. Let's mm-hmm. say he didn't have it on him, but his his one of his best friends I mean, had that's cocaine just, on that's it. That's just one example of it. I mean, here's the other issue, right? I mean, you, you talk about those, but I can give you stories, and I wish I'd brought the book with me, 
Um, You're going to be back, man. I'm happy to. I'd love to. Listen, uh, I want to say this, and then I'll tell you an example of police brutality that is very near and dear to my heart and is personally related to my family's history. So, you know, the the person, there was an instance of a gentleman who was with his kid. He ends up, you know, um, following his kid into the store that he runs into because the kid wants it. This is in some part of New York. um, And it's from this book, The Great Divide. He walks into the store with the cigarette still lit in his mouth, right? He doesn't throw it out or whatever because, you know, that would be littering. He's just in there to tell his kid to come out. You know, they call him or the police are nearby. They say that you were smoking inside the store, which is a violation of whatever law. The guy ends up getting a ticket. He has to go to court, which means he has to take a day off from work from a job that's not paying him much to begin with. So, and his boss may not even understand why he has to get off of work to go to court. He goes to court and he's like, look, I get it. I'll, and it was like two things that, you know, I think they caught him on smoking indoors. And then when he threw the cigarette on the ground, it was littering, littering. you know, and, and the guy gets caught up in the system. Right? Because all of a sudden, if you don't show up to court, guess what? There's a warrant out for you. Right? And what's this person done? Something that one of us could have possibly done by mistake. Now, it's easy for us to sit there and say, I wouldn't have done it. But, you know, I mean, there is an inequitable application of justice sometimes in, and I don't want to hear the argument, well, there's more crimes being done in these communities than other communities. You know, there's been research and and individuals who've done studies that show, you know, you'll find just as much drugs in the white community as you will in the black community. You said it. It's, well, here's the thing. It's not about. It's not about only the drugs. I mean, how many whites kill whites? Uh, you know, obviously, I'm sure there'll be a statistic that'll um, prove that. Why there's is it? More. Why but, is it that in, in certain parts of Chicago and Detroit, St. Louis, uh, Washington D.C., New Orleans, police officers are afraid to go into certain neighborhoods after a certain time? You I mean, call, they won't even show up. If you right now, United the United States, you know, all as those far states as you just mentioned, they're all Democratic exactly. States. See, here, no, forget the Democratic Louisiana, states. I don't think is no, no. Here's the thing: uh, if you there's <laughs> right now America, as far as murders uh, and gun violence and you know homicides, I think is ranked number four in the world, if I'm not mistaken. And I'll look up the stats again. But there was four major cities that if you take them away, they drop down tremendously. And it was Detroit, it was Chicago. It was St. Louis and it was Washington, D.C. You mm-hmm. take those four major metropolitan cities away and it just drops like crazy. Yeah. And you, when you look at those, mm-hmm. I mean, it sucks, man. It sucks because majority of those crimes are, you know, it's it's gang crimes. It's black on black or it's... it's well, but, even, but, it, but it has to do with like, I mean, I think that one of the ways we can get along better is by understanding each other and sharing more time with each other and knowing what it is. That makes each of us tick. And the reality of it is most of us, again, surround ourselves with like-minded people that just reinforce our values. Listen, I'm, you know, we may not agree on everything, but I'm grateful for the time I'm spending with you guys because you're, you know, sharing with me your viewpoints. And I'll learn something from it and hopefully, you know, vice versa. But, you know, we live in a country that's very segregated, even though we say it's not. And we can point to some one or two individuals as examples. The reality of it is most of America's big cities are, are segregated cities, you know, um, self-segregated, by the way, not by law. Initially, by law, you know, there was redlining and not giving loans to yeah. blacks to move into black neighborhoods. But Glendo then those a self-isolation. But, but who well, can I mean, change and, and, that, and, and listen, even with Armenians, right? I remember yeah, when I remember in Glendale High School in the early 90s, as soon as there was an influx of Armenian immigrants in the school system, a lot of the non-Armenian Anglo-white families pulled their kids out and moved to 
you know, um, Washington. They moved to either Washington or the, now their or Crescent Valley or other yeah. parts of the city. There was self segregation, right? I remember, like you know, kids not going to school with me the next year between the transition from Wilson to Glendale High School, yes. and that happens a lot. It's not just, by the way, for Armenians. It happens with Latinos. It happens in other communities. Happened in Pasadena. You know, when they were busing people to be in a more integrated school, and it's been proven that you know integration in the schools and the busing does work. Because you learn a lot more from being in, you know, Shupvelov, like to, to be in the same situations with these people and yeah. realizing we have more in common than we have different. You know, I, I want to talk about police brutality and I'll give you one example of it, you know, to say that it's something that we need to be aware of because police have a very specific um, ability to, you know, they carry a lot of responsibility with them. I respect police for the work that they do and putting their lives in danger. And I remember the story of my great-grandfather, Hago Parsenian, who, was, who went to pharmacy school from his village in Ovajik, which was a suburb of Constantinople. He went to Constantinople to study pharmacy and then go back to his village. And, when, and this is in his memoirs. He actually wrote his memoirs, and we were fortunate enough that they got translated to English and published by Haigazian University. And in it, you know, I read it. You know, This is my great-grandfather's life, who I was telling you guys earlier mm-hmm. about. He talks about so him and his buddies, who were all Armenian, who were all going to pharmacy school, um, used to hang out and have late night study sessions, play backgammon, you know, have meals. And at the time he was doing an internship in a pharmacy and a policeman, a Turkish policeman came up to him and said, Hey, you know, um, I want you to give me some drugs. I don't know what the drugs were, who knows what they were back then, but you know, my great pharmaceutical said, drugs, pharmaceutical. Yeah. yeah. He said, he said, I can't give them to you without checking with my boss. I can't just give them to you for free. And, you know, obviously Armenians were considered second-class citizens. This guy knew that he had power over this individual because of where he was in society in Turkey at the time he was alive. So one day, not too long after that, him and his buddies are studying. They're having a late-night session. And this Turkish police officer comes in and arrests them all and says, like, you guys are not having a late-night study session. You guys are planning revolution. You guys are planning revolt. You guys are working against the government. Arrests them all, throws them in jail with no trial, no jury, nothing. Just lets them stay there for months, you know, while my grandfather, great-grandfather is frantically trying to get out of there, get, like, bailed, you know, figure out a way through the system to go in front of a judge to prove that he's innocent so he can go back to his classes, right? He ends up losing, like, uh, I think months out of the class year, and the way it was was he ended up having to, I think, repeat that whole year of education because of that one What year was this, already? This is right before the Armenian genocide. This is 1909, maybe. Do you see that there was a, there was? Do you think the genocide happened just overnight? No, no, it was, it was, no, absolutely. So it was late, it was, it was, it was late planned. 1800s. No, no. The but same time those plan, statues it, were coming guess, up in America as the time. It was yeah, a planned so, so, so. extermination. Absolutely. Of, but my point of, is of a culture or a race. But basically, it was based on a system that dehumanized one group versus but another. But you can't compare Why not? the extinction, trying to extinct. Uh, the Armenian culture from the from the world to police brutality in America. That's well, you can't you can't oh, compare oh, those. Oh, oh, why not? I mean, because there are Arty, instances of police brutality. I'm not saying Arty, I'm you're talking about you're talking about you're talking about what I, exactly. That's why you can't compare the two. Number one, I mean, it happened in the 1800s, where I'm telling you, this was a planned massacre of 1.5. If not, if they would have probably done more, if our people didn't get away, extinction of our people. Whereas you're, I mean, you're comparing it to police brutality. It, it's not. I mean, it, it's it's apples and oranges. You can't Definitely. compare them. You can't compare yeah, them. That that 100%. that that's different. You you look 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 the statistics as I told you, yeah. and even Levick mentioned it. Obama said, 
a household without a father has a 20, 20 time more chance of ending up in jail. And that's the situation in the Chicago's and the Detroit's and the St. Louis's of the Single country. Single motherhood in those yeah. areas are the so, highest. So what is the government supposed to say? Hey, guys, stop fucking and, you know, impregnating. No, it's, it's a social issue. They have to actually have more respect for themselves. There's nothing the government can do except maybe stop handing welfare out after maybe so many stop. kids. Right. And we have to, we, and this has been an issue for a long time. They, it has nothing to do with, yes, there's pr- police br- brutality, but there's also, like Omar mentioned, you can go into court where there's a beautiful meme. It's a black inmate or, you know, uh, inmate with a black police officer and a black attorney. So you choose. Do you want to be the guy going to jail, the police officer, or you want to be the attorney? It's a choice you still make. And I understand the choice is far more difficult when you're, you you know, the only way you can fit in is if you you join a gang as a young boy because you don't have a father. You don't have that uh, father figure to look up to, to, to a mentor. So your mentor becomes the kid in the hood who's doing drugs. And most likely that's where you're going to end up. I completely understand that. But at the same time, that's not something that the police or the government can change. It has to come within. Obama was president for eight years. He was black. He did absolutely nothing for the black community. Trump, who's a racist, narcissist, xenophobe, according to you know, the left, he's done a lot more for the black community than Obama ever did, or Biden has done for the last 75 years he's been in you know, politics. You know, it's, so it's hard for me but, also. But these are all statistics. Look, so, so it's hard for me to talk about the black experience because obviously I'm not black. Um, but, I, you know... I would say a couple of things. One, I think it would be a very healthy discussion. I'm glad you guys are at least openly having these talks because a lot of people, I think, are thinking similarly and need to hear about, you know, um, views from other individuals. So I would say that, you know, try to come up with someone who is an African-American, a black figure in a community that can come on your show and have this discussion because I think there's some value in that. Of course. Invite someone who's also in law enforcement. I think that's also a good discussion to have. Because it's, you know, there's this great line from the To Kill a Mockingbird that Atticus Finch says, never judge someone until you've walked a mile in their moccasins, right? Like judge someone after you've walked in their shoes. That's hard. I can tell you that, you know, for me, um, you say that you can't compare what happened to your great um, grandfather to what's happening to some people here. Because, you know, what happened there was part of a state planned genocide you know one can i mean we can get into a long discussion about because to me it's about the power dynamics it's about who has power and who doesn't who's seen as uh expendable or as a second class citizen and who's not you know how do you behave and um around certain people there was a great attorney of civil defense attorney in california you guys probably know of him named charles gary he was the public defense attorney he was he was a defendant uh he defended the founders of the Black Panther Party in California during the 60s, 70s. Um, Charles Gary was born Garabed Garabedian in Fresno, and he became like the most preeminent defense attorney in California. And, you know, he got a lot of flack for defending the Black Panther Party. And the Black Panthers got a lot of flack for having a quote unquote white attorney um, when they were supposedly the black militant party uh, in, in the United States. And when and there's an interview and you can see it on YouTube where they talk to Charles Gary and they said, well, why did you do it? He said, look, being white and growing up in Fresno, we were discriminated and picked on and got in fights all the time for being Armenian. So I knew what it was like to be black. 
The difference was I could change my name and blend into American society and culture and become a lawyer and have that better life. The luxuries that, you know, people in this country at that time, black Americans especially, could not. Um, so I, I understood where they were coming from. I understood what it meant for them to suffer like they did for the color of their skin. So, you know, you know, all I can say is that, you know, as a public servant, all I all I want to do is make sure that in Glendale, everyone feels respected feels loved, feels part of this community, regardless of what their skin color is, regardless of what their last name is, regardless of what, you know, their job is, as long as they're contributing to the greater good. But, you know, there's some good points brought up. And, um, you know, I think that we need to have further discussions. And I, I hope discussions like this are happening around the country. I try to develop my thoughts by talking to people um, from the black community. I go to the Black in Glendale group meetings and I try to understand their perspectives. And by the way, one thing I do want to um, tell you is that, you know, there's a lot of um, black Armenians who have, you know, been shunned within the community because they're, you know, not considered Armenian or they're not treated well. And you have to have these conversations but see, as well. Already be, these people shouldn't be, shouldn't be playing the victim card. None I don't think people. they are. I think they're just talking about their experiences. Uh, experiences, right? I mean, yes. And also yeah. another thing is I, I I hope none of them are saying that, you know, they're oppressed, especially living in Glendale or living in neighborhoods where uh, there is no racism. I mean, I you shouldn't think you're oppressed. If well, you're, Armenians think they are, though. You can't be oppressed. Oh, but how, how many are you? Ar- how many you're Armenians living in the think, land of opportunity. Can you I ask can, you something? You can't be oppressed. You, you, you're in real estate. Yes. How many Armenians feel that even going to the city to get an approval for a pil- permit for design boards, that it's more difficult for them because they're the ones, you know, building these mini mansions and all, right? So you do it, do it legally. Mm-hmm. Do it by city standard. Okay. And. They will allow and and don't be a don't be a piece of shit when you go to the city architects and planning department and be like oh just because I'm Armenian you're not no is you know, he right is he right again it's not that simple but he's right you, you know you have he's to, right isn't he uh, you know <laughs> I'm no, right. no no I, I think the, I think it cuts both ways I think you've had instances where someone has come in you know completely innocent wanting to do things the right way and hasn't been treated well and you have other instances where someone comes in with an attitude and a chip on their shoulder already i added 550 square feet to my house tore down my garage pushed it all the way back all with legal permits and how did i do it i did it legally through the system i went and got all my permits every single inspection that i had done i literally had the inspector look at it didn't hide one thing put the plans in front of the inspector i said this is what we're planning on doing. And if I had to do something where I'm changing something on the plans, I literally went to the, the board and I literally went to planning and I said, look, this is what I'm changing to do. During COVID, through email. There's yeah. a reason I brought that up because same thing with cops. If they pull you over and you, I don't care what your skin color is. If you say, officer may ask why you pulled me over. But if, if you say, hey, why the fuck you pulled me over, man? I promise you, I you can be, you can be as it's already you're on the wrong. You can be as wide as this Come book. On, you're, the cop, you're gonna, that's his job. You want to talk to him in that manner? What? That's his. He chose to be a cop. N- doesn't work that way. No, man, are you wait, kidding wait, wait, me? Wait, wait, it's wait, like wait. saying I mean, look, the uh, city worker chose to be city worker. Ultimately, so you're ultimately, ch- I you think can't that, do that, bro. You look, have to have look, respect. The most, the most important thing in, in in life, I think, is to do onto others as you would want exactly. them to do onto you. Exactly. Have respect. Okay, but as if, if a person doesn't have enough consciousness to have respect for towards an officer, 
That officer needs to understand that. And treat him the same way. Ed, a long time Legally, ago. Legally, yes. Treat him the same way. Ed, Legally. Okay. Ed, a long and what if he pulls the gun out of no. your belt? Still continue no. to re- no. treat him. Wait. Why not? On, a, lo- a long time ago, I was pulled over. This was when I was like probably 19 years old. I was pulled over in Glendale. And the officer said, you know, where are you going? And I need your driver's license, insurance, all that stuff. I gave it to him. He said, where are you going? I said, I'm going home. He said, where are you coming from? I said, officer, I mean, am I going to sit here and like fill out a resume? He said, I'm like, you know, what were you, what's the reason you pulled me over for? And he said, I need to search your car. No problem. You want me to get out of the car right now? I literally got that, out of the that, car. That's, that's amendment number four, search yes. and seizure. Yes. But see, here's the thing. It. It's because you're white. No, no, no. <laughs> see, I could have said... <laughs> <laughs> Where's your warrant? Giving him a hard time, but I was—I had nothing to hide. I said, "Absolutely, let me get out of my car." You could search my car, look for whatever you need to look for. I guarantee you're not going to find anything. I was out of there in like ten minutes. He went and he ran my—he ran my driver's license. He saw that I had a clean record, and he let me go. He said, "You know what? You were actually speeding. You were going thirty-five yeah. on a twenty-five. That's the reason why I pulled you it's, over." It, you have to show respect. Yeah, man. you can't, Listen, man. So wait. You were speeding, but you got pulled out of the car, and you were okay with that. Of course I was okay with it. He yeah, wants to search crazy. my car. I have nothing to hide. I don't have anything to hide, but I just know my rights, and I'm not going to let him well, search my see, car. I'll wait there 30 minutes. You try to be hard-ass. I'll hard wait ass. there two hours. You try to be hard-ass at the wrong time. It's going to backfire. Uh, Did you guys the watch way. the video with uh, Philande Castile, the guy who was a janitor, um, and he was pulled over, and then um, he was shot in the car by the police officer? No, the kid in the back. No, no. I look innocently. I think, yeah, yeah. innocently, innocently. Yeah, yeah. I had done absolutely nothing wrong. I mean, the fact of the matter is, like, there are these, you know, instances over and over and over again. And I don't know if it's about like, hey, I worry just as much about the non-black person that is uh, in a situation like that. Quite honestly, I think that we just need to have a longer and and more honest discussion about, you know. whether it's use of force, whether it is, you know, how our police are trained, you know, what we're doing to care for them uh, also mentally when, 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 you know, with the jobs that they're doing and how difficult and stressful it can be. I mean, it's no secret that, you know, we encourage a lot of our folks to go serve in the military. And then when they came back, you know, we were suggesting that they go and become police officers. officers. There's, there's a whole lot of messed up, but, you know, we do have to acknowledge that race is a big part of um the stain on on the founding of our country unfortunately it just is you know i mean fortunately like no one in my family was had ever a direct part in it you know we all came here as immigrants we came here seeking a better life more freedom we chose america as a country we want to go to a lot of armenians chose argentina or australia or france but we came to america so we have an obligation to give back to this country and make it a better place as well um training uh, i got one more i gotta go into. yeah Sorry, absolutely guys. no no go ahead so i brought my sleeping bag our cops in the car. what did you know we have cops from america going to israel to get trained and come back here and then we started bringing trainers from israel to train our cops don't we have our own training facilities our own uh training programs for cops i i wouldn't need to know more about that i do know that our glendale police department does have very good relationships with the police department in the Republic of Armenia and that we've had officers come from there and we've had oh, officers talking about go over there. Training in Armenia? No, 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 or no. He's talking about training in Israel. Israel. I don't know more. In I don't know enough about it. Yes. I don't either. That's far and, and again, it's been happening I, for I, years now. I, you know, I've talked a lot about stuff that I don't have full knowledge of and I try to talk um, as much as I can authoritatively. If I don't know something 
I don't know it, but, but let's let's and, talk. And there's which, a lot that I don't. Know. By, well, by the way, I'm gonna say this since I just found out about the whole army of cops coming here I'm to good, get trained. You. I'm against that one too. By the way. Not because they're Armenian, they're okay. No, I think that's wrong either way. Having the police from Armenia come here to learn from us? 100%. Send them a video. What is this about? Are you serious? That's money wasted. (laughs) That's a waste of money. Wait, wait, wait. The program that I'm talking about uses taxpayer money. In some instances, privately, unavailable information for the money. So, So a couple of years back, I was walking in Yerevan with Senator Anthony Portentino, who's a good friend and uh, champion of Armenian issues and I'm walking in Yerevan in, in the Hiraparak and I hear English being spoken and you know when you can hear English being spoken and you know it's not like European English like or British like, you, you know it's like from the states right so I turn around and I see a bunch of young men and women in their fatigues they're in obviously US military uniform walking around oh, shit. I got my Ara the Rat Ararat shirt on and I got my ball cap and shorts and I was out for like you know, walk, I, I'd say a jog, but I really wasn't jogging. We were just walking <laughs> around. And I'm like, where in, where in the States are you from? And they're like, their eyes lit up, right? Because they're in the middle of Yerevan and someone's speaking American English to them. And they're like, oh, we're from Kansas. And I'm like, what are you guys doing here? They're like, oh, we're with the Kansas National Guard. And I'm like, well, what are you doing here? And they're like, oh, we're here to do a training. You know, they have this agreement that they come out to Armenia every year and then some Armenian officials will go to Kansas and they do trainings on emergency responses, on uh, stuff like you know brush fires and major emergencies and all that. And this has been a collaboration that's been in place for a long time, uh, in part thanks to um, Kansas Senator, U.S. Kansas Senator Bob Dole, who's still alive, a great champion of Armenian issues, a Republican. And he um, instituted this program that continues on to this day. Mm. And I think it's a great program because there's stuff that we can learn from them and they can learn from... Armenia and um, you know I think uh, they loved it. I asked them how they liked Armenia. They like they like we love it here. This is great people are friendly. Country's wonderful. Food's awesome, and you know it just makes you feel good about you know being Armenian and being an American at the same time. Absolutely. When it comes um, to that, that and, and think about it now. So those people are fine. so so those people are going to go back to Kansas and have tell all those great you know yeah tell all those great experiences that they had. And that's what helps us become a better society, right? When we go and we experience different things and come back. Yeah. Uh, there's, we we're almost at three hours, so I want to I want to ask you this now because this has been brought up a couple of times as well. Uh, I mean, we've had Sean Saakian on the on the podcast as well. We've talked to him about good guy, uh, yeah, I like Glenn, Sean a lot. yeah, g- great guy. Um, you know, Glendale Unified School District, what their plans are. Um, this was pre-COVID. Now, yeah, um, a lot of things are going to basically be changing and school is right around the corner. Yeah. Basically August school starts, correct? Yeah. Um, what is going to happen? Are schools going to reopen? Uh, are these kids going to be wearing facial masks? Are these teachers going to be wearing facial masks? Cause there's a lot of stuff going around or I would not, I would actually consider them rumors because yeah. I think that's what they are because nothing, I don't think anything has been implied yet, but yeah. what is the protocol going to be with schools, recesses, lunches, um, teachers classrooms all this stuff because i'm sure there's a lot of families out there and yeah. uh, wanting to know i i don't know what they are and i'm as a parent i'm waiting for that information as well i think we just received something from the elementary school our kid will be going to but i've said this from day one that when the city is developing its plan to get glendale back on track or to reopen to work with the school district because the problem that we as parents have is going to impact how we get back to work right now 
I'm working from home because I got nowhere else to take my kid. There's no summer camp. There's nothing. I mean, Glendale just announced that they're going to be reopening summer camps, and I think it will be with masks and some sort of social distancing or whatever. But good luck trying to social distance toddlers and young children and kids who are just young. You know, my kid's not a toddler. He's five. But um, I, I, if we can't figure out how schools open and what we do for daycare, and I think... I think we were talking about before the program started or early on in the program. A lot happened in three hours. But um, <laughs> time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, think that, uh, I think the dynamic between you guys is the funniest. Like when I was like, you guys are going back and forth. I'm like, was this the worst like, decision you've ever made to come on? No, not show. the worst. I've, I've, I've had worse. <laughs> I've, I've had, had worse. worse. Well, that makes so, me feel better. Hey. No, no, so not at all. No, no, chance, I'm not hey. at all. I'm, I'm just, no, we, t- we I'm tend to digress, trust me. No, no, nothing about that. Um, I think that, like I said, it's um, it's good discussions to have. I mean, what would be better for us to not have these discussions in open and for us to all think it and not express it? I mean, that's fine. The only thing I would suggest is, like, if you guys, and I don't know how, how much you do this, I can tell, I can only surmise and assume that you guys get your information from very specific sources, right? I would challenge you for memes. To, to, to go out. Some of those are the best sources. <laughs> I only use CNN. I that's would it. challenge. Oh, my God. I'm sorry for you if that's the case. Wow. Sp- um, Spoken by a Democrat. <laughs> listen, it's it's not. They're not necessarily. You I, sift it. But I told you, you, you read everything. You read everything and then try to figure out what's happening. I'm surprised you world. actually read CNN. That's my issue right now. But you have to because listen, it's well, the majority, remember, the majority of the country reads it, right? Yeah, I he mean, said it. he sifts Fox, it out. Fox, Fox News Fox. is very popular too. I mean, the one thing I won't necessarily spend too much time on is MSNBC because it's mostly editorials and not news. Yeah. So um, what was your suggestion? Could let the man finish, man. Like, but I think that we need to figure out a way to have the kids uh, figure out what's happening with them because if we don't, then we're all stuck, you know. Because I need to find a way to have someone look after my kid if I'm going to go be going back to work. Um, it's hard. So I don't know. I think you should ha- definitely have um, either Dr. Ekjian or one of the school board members definitely come back and have this discussion, and I'll be tuning in to see what they say as well, um, that, because we Dr. have to do that. Dr. Ekjian, the uh, superintendent. She came over from LAUSD. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, how old are your guys' kids? I'm just curious. Two. Um, one two. and a half, or, or two. no, well, yeah, he, two. He's two, and my boy, my younger one, is five months old. Wow, God mm-hmm. bless you, and you're still doing this, huh? <laughs> my girl, is this an excuse not just not to be at home? <laughs> like, honey, I have to do a podcast. You should see what he does <laughs> on Wednesday. <laughs> That's what happens every Monday. How, how's, how's your? I've child? got a seven and eight year old. Both God girls. bless you guys. Yeah, what are their names? Eileen, Sarah, and Sasha. Noah and Nico. Your son, Armin. Armin. Beautiful Armin. 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 The only Armin you name. Literally. <laughs> well, Artash is Armin. Yeah, there you go. My name's no, Ar- Artash is Ardi. No, I know, but Artash is Armin. Oh, is it Artash is Armin? No, no, no. no it's, Armin. it's Armin. It's Armin. It's Armin. Oh, so we, we want to. So my wife, who's not Armenian, we she said, I want to name him a name that. Her, truth be told, my wife wanted to name uh, him Antranik, but she's like, they'll call him Andy, and I want a name that they can't shorten. Armin. Or make it Americanized or Anglicized. Yeah. So, We'll go with Armin. Where's your wife from, if you don't mind me asking? Sorry. She's uh, from California. She's third or fourth generation Californian, but her mom's side is full Mexican. Her dad's side is half Spanish from Spain and half just white mixed everything. Okay. So she's like, I guess, three quarters Hispanic. Okay. Um, grew up in Oxnard. Um, Does she speak Spanish? Mm-hmm. 
she learned it in high school. Like it was a different generation. Oh, uh, it's a different it generation. More, it was more. I was like, it would be perfect you know? for Armin as far as knowing Armenian, English, and Spanish. Well, right? we're trying to. I mean, we want him to learn uh, every language and as many languages as possible. I mean, I tried to. I was just getting a reminder from Duolingo saying like, "Hey, do you have five minutes to learn?" Because I t- I studied French in at Glendale High, and I I don't think I've used French more than once in my life. <laughs> Merci. <laughs> you should watch our French around here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm surprised we dropped only one f bomb today. How many? How many languages? No, I, I dropped at least five. No, you did one. I think. No, I did. There was a. Did you? Of, I think. I did five. Well, Stop we dropped it. a we'll bunch of f bombs prior to the. <laughs> you guys, you guys should uh, cut a hole in the top of that nut jar and put a dollar in every time you guys do uh, drop one and then give it to charity. We'll, we'll have to have you come back we'll be with a bigger five gallon. Speak give it to charity. Pick, pick a charity. Speaking of dropping a. Uh, a dollar. So, you guys know I was in Temecula this weekend. Yes. <gasps> and Temecula is one of my favorite. I mean, my my ideal retirement would probably be Temecula and have my own You wine, know it's still in California, by the way. Fuck. Just saying. Why would you want to own hopefully any by then, Hopefully, by then, it'll be red. Not for Did the Did you business. say Biden? No. Okay, <laughs> Biden will be red? So, so, so we, I pull up to the house and... You know, uh, since I rented it, I they have to give you a tour and all this other, you know, how to use the stove and how to use the pool and don't drown. <laughs> so the guy showing me around is not the owner. He manages the house. And uh, and I see he's wearing a uh, Rolex, presidential Rolex, which is like, what, $15,000, I think, 8 to 15, 20, depends mm-hmm. on, you know. Depends um, who, yeah. who says the price. So... And 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 uh, so he's showing me around, and we come out. We start talking about cars, uh, and he sees my brother-in-law's car. It was an AMG, and he's like, "Oh, I used to have one of those, and but now I drive a Porsche." I said, "Do you manage this house? I mean, you come here to kind of give a tour and clean up and all that." I said, "That doesn't seem like that's what you do, based on your watch and the Porsche you drive." He goes, no, I'm actually a retired cop. I was a police officer for 34 years. And he said, uh, he's like, when I first, on my first day at work, one of the old timers told me, gave me advice. He said, each one of your paycheck put $25 away. And every time you get a raise, put half of your raise into your 401k. And he's like, when I retired, after 34 years, um, my pension is ten grand a month, and I have a few million in my savings account, my retirement account. I was like, "Wow, no wonder you have a Rolex and you drive a Porsche." And then he showed me. He's like, "Well, I'm actually I just sold my Porsche," and he showed me the McLaren he had purchased. purchased. <laughs> so he was putting twenty five bucks from every check, every paycheck. When he started his first day of. Uh, Work at, at talk about uh, yeah. You know how hard that department. is to commit to something like that, man. Twenty five dollars then turn into half of his raise. So if he got let's say ten thousand dollar raise, he would put five thousand of that in his four hundred one k right away. Yeah, and he says I learned that discipline, and now the guy retired so, from the police department, multi millionaire. You 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 know you bring up an interesting point mm-hmm. because I think like and your reaction was also interesting, right? Because one of the things that really has paid me. Uh, you know, growing up in America and being the son of immigrants. And, you know, I've, we've done well for ourselves. Our family has done well. But, like, I don't think enough Americans in this country born here or son of immigrants or whatever understand financial 
planning and financial yeah. literacy. I took economics in high school, and you know, I didn't learn. I learned whatever economics. Economics isn't financial it's, it's, literacy. It's not enough. And I think that we need to have a mandatory program in our public schools. You talk mm-hmm. about, you know, what the benefit of public schools are. I would love to have learned the difference between good debt, bad debt, credit. You know what, how all of that means, how to leverage things, how to save up to buy a house. You know, so I already believe it, it or not. In, when I was in high school, I said it to Danelian, who was our principal at the time, and uh, Welsh, who was our principal at the time. I told him instead of having mandatory. Um, government and econ, you should have mandatory um, finance yeah. or fi- or something as far as financial or at least substitute one of the two. Basically, somebody who doesn't want to take economics takes finance or somebody who doesn't want to take government take yeah. finance because that is something that will actually help you in yeah. the future. Because Especially with le- your senior year, because, you're going to college, yeah, you, you want to know college how to... And you get all those credit card offers and you get... What was that company that used to try to sell you a bunch of CDs for like... Five dollars oh, or Columbus something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Get, all of a sudden, you get sucked into yeah. a really bad plan because you need that Ace of Base CD or whatever it was. <laughs> Ace of Base. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, this is what my friends are doing. So you know, all of a sudden, you're, you're like in a in a in a bad credit hole and taking your way out. I mean, those are valuable things to teach a future generation. Seriously, hundred percent. Can you guys believe Blockbuster? Who had Blockbuster dues when Blockbuster went under? I think I still have some I think DVDs, I still have DVDs too. <laughs> you know, the no, only, know, the only, the only, the uh, only stage of Blockbuster I truly enjoyed was right when Netflix came out, and Blockbuster started offering the mailing, the, oh, the mailing? Uh, DVDs. But the beauty of it was, instead of like Netflix, where you had to wait for it to arrive, you can just take it to the local Blockbuster and switch it out. Yeah. So, yeah. It I thought the vi- I thought the video games were a cool thing when you were able to rent video games. Yeah, literally go out and just yeah. look at the video games and then rent it out. Mm. Yeah, I wasn't into video games. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so long. So I, I didn't. No, I, was. I didn't really. Uh, what was take your favorite system? Of that. My f- I've, I have, after Sega, I just went straight to PlayStation. Yeah. It was the PlayStation, then PlayStation Two, Three, Four. I found my Sega Genesis recently. My Did you really? Still had it. Like, Did you? Wow. They, no, my parents had kept it. I'm like, why? You, there's no games either. Like, I don't know why. Well, they, there's a Sega I Mini. I was actually looking for Legos because I knew that me and my brother had a bunch of Legos and my son's really into Legos right now. Beautiful. So, um, yeah, so I was looking for those old Legos. I found them, but I also found an old Sega Genesis. Nice. I got to see what it would go for on eBay. Check, that, check to see which generation it is because some of them actually had gold connectors instead of uh, copper. <laughs> so you never know. Uh, Artie, you should you got to go back to this podcast and go back to read all the comments and questions. And maybe <laughs> sure. you answer some, some of them. <laughs> well, some look, of them are look. We answered majority of the. We tried to, man. There was just they were pouring in. But we that's the thing. A lot of that's good. Pe- a that, lot of people came reaction? in, kind of. No, it is. It they, is. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously back and forth between people, uh, oh, but yeah. as far as comments, uh, questions, there's a lot going on. And guys, we're really, really sorry if we couldn't get to yours. It's just. This is being fed on three different channels, guys. So we're trying to get to as much as we could. And obviously, you know, Artie has a family. We all have families. We got to get home. And he, uh, he doesn't. He wants to stay. He's like, <laughs> well, Armand and I got to do our cuddling session five, before we go five home. Months. But they well, have to hold one another I, for less. Than I've ten been minutes. on. I've been on paternity leave for That's almost six months. now. So it's yeah. a good thing, by the way. So I support. But yeah, but Artie, thanks, man. Thanks for taking Can time. I, I have one more question you. personally to yeah. ask you. Yeah. Because this is something. Well, you've. This is something you you guys talked about, but. For anybody out there as well who who thinks, well, maybe I should run for office, local or you know, county-wise, yeah. whatnot. Any, yeah. any, any, and it may even be something that I would personally consider once my kids are a little bit older and I don't have to 
necessarily work for my money where I could actually become a public servant. Um, how much of an impact do you truly get to make as far as an individual in one sitting at, yeah. whether it's yeah. city clerk, councilman, mayor, you know, sitting on that one chair? Do you truly so, get to make an impact in the changes that you thought you were going to be able to make? Or Yes, sometimes it's, ex sometimes it's expected, sometimes it's not. I'll give you one example. You know, like I came up with the idea to put a cap on um, the restaurant uh, delivery apps because I had a friend who owned a restaurant and he was telling me about this issue. And yeah. he educated. I didn't know about it before. I haven't owned a restaurant. I haven't been in that business. But when he told me, um, I was able to suggest an idea that got the support of my colleagues and we... I think have made a difference in Glendale, at least in the lives of some of these restaurant owners may not be able to save everyone, but if we even help save one or of two course. businesses, we made an impact. Yeah. The other thing is like working in Glendale, especially working with a very diverse immigrant community. A lot of people, whether they came here from Latin countries or former Soviet union or from middle Eastern countries, they come here where, and I think we noted this, that they don't have the best relationship with government, especially let's say the law enforcement arm of it. But in general, you know, they come here, because they want a better life and they have a distrust of the system that they left. Um, getting those people, you know, especially if they're Hayastansi or Beirutsi or Barskai, to understand that, look, in America, the government is your government. It's supposed to work and serve you. And we're here to help you find solutions to your problems and not put obstacles in those. Like, if you say, help one or two or three of those people um, and make them understand that, wow, the system actually does work, that makes all the difference in the world. They pay that forward, you know. Um, I approach public service with the same philosophy as, you know, my first job out of high school, out of Glendale High, was I worked at JCPenney's in the Glendale Galleria. Nice. I worked in the mature men's <laughs> department making four fifty, I think, was minimum wage back then. Mm -hmm. Right? And, you know, the guy who had ran that branch had a, had a said the JCPenney uh, customer credo was, the customer is always right. Even if they're wrong, they're right. And he said, because if a, you come back and someone tries to tries to return something and you don't take it back, they're going to leave upset and then tell seven or eight of their friends about the bad experience they had. But if they came back and the shirt, you can tell they wore it, but just take it back because they'll keep coming back and spending more money in the long run. You know, you want them to have a good experience. And that's kind of how I look at government. Most people don't wake up in the morning and say, my electricity turned on, my water is running. Let me stop by City Hall and thank everyone who's working there. Most of the people <laughs> who come are pissed off Problem. about something. Yeah. And to get them to, to de-escalate the situation, to make them understand that you're there to help them, that makes a big difference. As for running for office, I would say the following. Try to figure out what it is in this world, the impact that you want to leave. What is it that you want to choose to change and make the world better by your presence in it? And then ask yourself, is elected office the only way I can do it? Because running and winning an elected office seat takes a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of money, and you make a lot of sacrifices. Um, Time away from your family, time away from loved ones. You know, you sometimes feel isolated because, you know, you're, you're getting all sorts of, um, you know, people will misinterpret what you say and how you say it. It can be sometimes both, it's both very rewarding. It can sometimes be very lonely. Um, but if you want to do it, there's nothing more rewarding because in America, we live in a great country that gives us these opportunities, mm -hmm. regardless of who you are. Um, black, white, Asian, you name it, Latino, so... Do it. I think it's a great thing to do, but do it for the right reasons. And then ask yourself, do I need necessarily to be an elected official to still do it? Because if you find that passion, you tap into that passion, elected office will find you. Like, I'm telling you, I didn't grow up seeking to run for public office. I, that wasn't my goal. It still isn't. My goal is to do good and to serve people and to help them as much as I can. Um, I just happen to do it 
in the position I'm in. But if I'm not in elected office tomorrow, it won't stop me from continuing to try and do good in the community. There you go. And I think you guys probably have the same views, you know, as as parents, as as you know, community members, as people dedicating your time. I'm, I'm assuming you guys don't get paid for this. We do actually. Yeah, yeah, of oh, you do. Uh, yeah, That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. That's you awesome. See how I support so, my okay. family office. So, well, give me those nuts back then. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I thought I was bringing charity yeah, to we you get, guys. We get. We get. Uh, no, but, um, I drive get, a Porsche and I have a Rolex. We get. We get. <laughs> <laughs> we get paid with but, smiles. No, no. I mean, no, no. I mean, I'm sure it's not like you know um, the the main source of your guys' income as you know it's you guys zero are. Source. It's zero <laughs> source. Come on, Marty. Literally, we do this. We do this to hang out. Chit chat and yeah. literally meet people meet like people, you yeah. and yeah. different people in our community. I mean, yeah. where where else would I be able to sit down with the council member? You know, uh, well, you're having a scotch. I wish I was having scotch, but uh, have scotch, chit chat, or other people like, for example, we've had Vahe Berberian on. We've had other Armenian celebrities. Alaksa Karapetyan has taken time out of her busy schedule from Fox and joined us. I mean, we've sat down with so many different people. Yeah. And, and let me ask and you guys And we've one encouraged last a lot of people to start their own podcast. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, many so people. Many people. <laughs> and, uh, I don't think. So, so I was, half our guests. Half our guests. Are, half yeah. our guests literally are, are running so, a podcast. That's fine. That's Artie, fine. In about four <laughs> weeks, we want to see Artie's podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So I was actually doing um, these recordings from my bunker, my home office, during COVID, and it just became very hard to keep up with. And I tried to like use some fancy tech stuff to make it a little bit more slick and have an intro. I ended up deleting a couple of interviews I had done with a couple of doctors and others. So. I'm, I'm trying to get back into it, but yeah. we'll see. My stuff is not going to be as slick and as cool as your guys'. <laughs> let me ask you one question sure. to, to leave on a high note. So favorite food, what's your comfort food? Like if you had to have one last meal, what would you well, have? these guys know what mine is. Hormis sabzi. Pizza. Hormis sabzi? No, me. Hormis sabzi? No, no, no. no, no. Pizza. What? That's me. Pizza? Your, no, yours is hormis sabzi? 100%. That's my favorite food. Armin's going to say steak. Um, a good wagyu. Am I having scotch or wine with it? <laughs> it depends. I mean, whatever. You're in Temecula. I, I, you can have whatever you am want. Am I wearing my Rolex? <laughs> Adi, the comment you made, she's like, it's... it's. <laughs> They're going like Ronnie. That's why I keep on... Keep, uh, she's like, I love how Armenians associate making it in life by a Porsche and Rolex. I'm not associating associating success. I thought it's by uh, living above the freeway or in Lockin. Well, yeah. above, well, <laughs> above, above Kenneth. Above Kenneth. Kenneth. What I was associating is that the man was smart enough to to be a servant oh. as a police officer for 34 years to protect no, and no, serve, right, yeah, yeah. and then to be a multi-millionaire. Absolutely good for That's you. That's fabulous. Go. But for now, me, it would be it would be a re- ribeye, uh, me- medium rare. Where do you get your meat from? Depends who Store? I'm cooking you, for. You don't have a. <laughs> Jesus. There's like two, a couple of tears. Of course, you're never gonna get a straight answer from him. Well, well big. You're cooking for yourself, your, goddamn oh, it! For myself, yeah, no I shit. I actually like a prime ribeye. I don't. No, wh- no, but which meat market do you go? Oh. to? Oh, I want to know if it's Sevan. Uh, Sevan has really good tomahawks. I, I uh-huh. get their tomahawks or even ribeyes. Uh-huh. Um, Costco this is how you guys monetize this program, yeah. by the way. That's what I'm yeah. trying to tell you. you know, this Costco, yeah, Costco has good time. Sevon Meat Market is going to cut us a check right away. Uh, there's actually a couple of really small boutique stores as well. They deliver. I, I sometimes order from. But I'm, I'm not yes. actually Wagyu guy, only because Wagyu is way too rich as far yeah. as... You, well, can yeah, you can't, even, like you can't even eat a I heard Costco, Costco now has Wagyu beef. Well, online. It's like 100 bucks. No, I, I saw someone post it. Really? There, yeah. So where do you, would you get... You said pizza? Yeah, pizza. Where's your favorite? Well, you have to have one pizza. Where's the pizza place? Right now, the, my go-to place is probably... It's a toss-up between two guys from Italy and Slash. Okay. 
So I'd probably, I'd, if, 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 cool, if, cool, if cool. I have to pick, I'd probably pick Slash. And who's warmest out of these? My mom's. What was yours? Did you say yours? I, you know, obviously, I have a lot of things I like to eat, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> what are you talking about? Say, like, uh, what no, do you mean, Artie? You're almost as fit as I, I am. I got to say, <laughs> you know, for me, like my last meal, I would have to say Manta. If you guys know really, Manta. Really? Manta? Where, though? Where do you get it from? Uh, my mom's, of course. Mom's. Oh, there you go. I, I tried making it a few times. I made it once on a cooking show that... Um, remember that guy Grish who did the top ten of yeah. Robbie? Yes, yes. I was on that show once and I did Manta. Really? Um, yeah, I remember I'm he had a cooking show. Which show, show yeah. did he have? He had a cooking show. I think you would invite people and you would cook something on it. Yeah. I think I made like Jajuk and Manta. Well, there there is actually there's a follower that we have uh, or listener we have who's actually inviting us to their home for a cooking show. So we're trying to oh good you guys should do it. figure that out. Yeah, I've been talking about it. You'll kill it with pizza. We'll Pizza is easy to do. Yeah, but we're just. Try- I, I gotta. I gotta finalize stuff with them before uh, setting a date with you guys. As yeah. far as if he really wants to do it, because apparently his internet and stuff isn't up to par. But he has dial-up. Uh, literally, <laughs> wow, literally. But, but AL, you've got mail. Yeah. yeah but, but <laughs> 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 they don't even have chat. This is the modern chat room. So uh, yeah, Monta. But I also love a good cheeseburger. Yeah, oh, in and out. You know who's opening? It's hard to say, man. Oh, like, it depends. I like no. Listen, I like In and Out. You I mean, like I'm not Mr. A- Patty's, don't you? You've yeah, yeah. You saw like we went there right after uh, the election. Yes, went to I Mr. Know. Patty's. So they're, they're opening they're, on uh, on the second. Day, they, are they oh, at the same place? God, so man, so this finally. is a different kind of cheeseburger, but it's a great. It's like a classic cheeseburger. If yeah. you like that kind of. Just um, mustard and ketchup and pickles. Well, that's what it is. Cheese, like you it's guys should delicious. try. Bill's Burger. Where is it? Nice. I still haven't oh. tried that. You gotta try, man. Have you, you tried Mr. Try Patty's? Eden Eden has a good burger. Oh. Eden has a good burger. Uh, Bill's Burger is different because here's the, you gotta have Bill's Burger before burger. Bill dies. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, once well, Bill's gone, that place I, is not. What gonna, I can't understand I is the halal guys on brand. Have you guys had halal? I've had halal guys. It's good. It's good. I've had their I've had their beef, their chicken, their combo, their falafels. Best shawarma is good. Halal guys, their sauce kills. It, man, yeah. their sauce knocks it out of the park. Are you going to be at the opening at Mr. Patty's? When is it? I'll, if they're listening, I love those Thursday. guys. I'll be there Thursday. I'll try to be there. Mike is my brother-in-law. He's one of oh, the really? partners. Yeah. No, we got to find them a standalone location. So, if anyone who's listening, one of the best kept secrets in Glendale is one of the best burgers in Glendale is in a car wash. Yes, and on, San, on San Fernando, run by some of the <laughs> nicest guys. Great portions, killer milkshakes, killer fries. Um, and an unexpectedly good burger. Cause like, well, they took out the milkshakes. Now they have a surprise, something new. Wow. So, yeah. so this Thursday? This Thursday, right. yes. Where's nice. the opening at? It's on San Fernando and... Near uh, Highland. Highland. And, and the cool thing is wash, if you go yeah. to it and well, like I know you where go the car washes, so the opening yeah. it's in there, is... In the it's in the parking lot. It's at yeah. night. It's, a pop it's up. at night. Yeah, it's, it's a pop-up. Pop and like when you show up, like... Uh, You'll be like the coolest person in your circle of friends, anyone who's listening, because you'll be like, hey, let me take you to this cool burger place. And Literally. <laughs> under yeah, someone say I'll be there. You guys someone can cut me. Choice burger. Choice Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, choice is good. Are you going to be there? <laughs> Where? You at the at the opening? Wiseness are invited. Yes. Thursday. What do you mean invited to burgers? Well, we're wise. Well, it's his family. We're looking at this way, guys. Man. You have a chance to meet all three of us. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Let's see the and possibly even Mr. Artie if he decides yeah. to pop in. Exactly. You get Special look appearance. at that. Four for one, guys. Four, Four burgers for ready to go. Four num nuts for one. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, Artie, thanks so much, man, for More taking welcome. time Thank out of you your guys. Monday for joining us. Thank for you, sir. I Thank literally you. texted him. He replied right away. Yeah. He's we've, like, we've "Give me the time, that. place, and when we're doing this." And I'm like, 
You know I, what? Did, I didn't know it was for three hours, though. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Neither did we. <laughs> Neither, yeah, seriously. Neither does our family. But, uh, you know, there's an easier way to leave the house for long periods of time. Just well, wear gym clothes until your wife <laughs> goes to the gym. She wouldn't believe me. They're closed you now. You have to though. come back, like, sweaty, though. That's, uh, Why would I, do, I just say I'm going to Bullock. All right, there were that. that. Just go, go run, run a few <laughs> laps before you walk into the house. <laughs> uh, man, but uh, again, Artie, thank yeah. you again for everything that you're doing. Um, again, if guys, if you have questions for Artie, he's so easy to reach on social media. Literally, send him a message. It's not anybody, none of his uh, bots or anything running it. He's <laughs> literally running his social media, so he'll answer any questions you have uh, regarding the city or um, concerns you have for the city. So reach out to him. And, uh, and if anyone's listening and needs assistance for their business or for their you know, rent, um, July 1st, go on the city's website, www.glendaleca.gov, and apply. There you go. Uh, guys, thank you again for tuning in on Monday. Uh, give us a follow YouTube Instagram for our daily memes every mo- every day literally we popping up memes so I still crack up every yeah time. I still crack up when I'm, <laughs> I'm posting them I, I look up. at it <laughs> <laughs> crap crack, crack whatever it is uh, thank sp- you Artie also you Spotify iHeartRadio follow us everywhere guys Wise Nuts Podcast thank you so much and we'll see you guys next week have a Peace. blessed week <laughs>